Hello and welcome to episode 137 of the Real Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And we're in a bit of an echo chamber in this episode. Not as in like our thoughts are insulated, but as in like we're literally in a big empty room. So if we sound a little reverby, apologies. We're in a transitional state to a... Actually, no, we're going back to the same place that we used to record. So I was going to say to a better place. Technically, it's right next to it. Yeah, we're in a room next door that's currently empty. But it will make future episodes a lot... Crisper and no more random noises that you might hear in the background, hopefully. No, those will be random noises. They'll just be coming from other sources, I guess. But, uh, yeah. anyway, what a weird intro. Yeah, so welcome to episode 137. <laughs> we're calling this episode Paint the Town, as we're going to be talking about uh, Paper Mario Color Splash. I have impressions at the tail end of the show. Um, if we didn't have Paper Mario, I feel like we could call this episode the update game or something like that. Because, like, I feel like the majority of the news in this episode is all about updates. Be it, like... Mitomo getting a big update, Pokemon Go getting updates, Animal Crossing New Leaf getting its big Welcome Amiibo update. We're talking about all that. We're talking about um, some new stuff with the Switch, some new 3DS game news. So, uh, oh, and of course, the NES Classic Edition, how nobody can seem to buy the thing. So, yeah, there's a fair amount to cover this episode. Um, a quick side note, in addition to Echoes, if I sound weird separate from the Echoes, because I'm sick, so apologies. You sound fine, because you are healthy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yes, yeah, so I guess we'll just jump right in. Uh, I think to start off, the biggest hotbed, so to speak, of uh, official announcements and news from Nintendo in this post-Switch world that we now live in was actually revolving around the 3DS. So, oh, a- at least in the last two weeks, like they, they did a direct for Animal Crossing. I would argue the Animal Crossing direct was probably the, the single biggest bit of news that happened not just to the Nintendo world, but the world at large. In fact, to our country. In the last two weeks. Well, I may have stopped caring about Animal Crossing <laughs> for a little while. I really did enjoy the Direct. Yes, the Direct was like... <laughs> oh, there on my chair. The Direct was like... Um, you know those old 90s VHSs Nintendo used to send out for like Star Fox 64, the N64, Donkey Kong uh, 64, like that? The really cheesy 90s, like radical like VHSs. I feel like these Directs are becoming more and more like our modern day equivalent of that. 15 years from now, we're going to look back and be like, that is the cringiest, campiest, no pun intended, thing they've ever done. But in the moment, it it's feels It's still kind right. of cringy. It is. But in the moment, it, like, matches air. But it is funny. Yeah. yeah. It, it lines up perfectly. Like, it just, it makes sense now, but in 20 years, we're going to be like, that was so stupid. <laughs> so did you go and download it and jump into your village as soon as the direct was over? No, that's the thing. I did not at all. What? Yeah. I, uh... I am shocked. I not even to reset not. your town and have Tom look well, okay, apparently I'm not buy reset it. The town, no. Um, well, for, first of all, for those who don't know, we should probably walk through why you would actually download this. Like, what's new about it? And then, based on that, it might be easier to explain the why I have in. not done it. Yep. Yeah. So there's two. I'd say there's two halves to it. Wait, have you done? You haven't done it either, have you? No. And you're so accusatory. There are two halves to the Animal Crossing Welcome Amiibo update. The first is the Amiibo stuff. The second is the not Amiibo stuff. That's pretty much the easiest way to boil it down. But the Amiibo stuff is actually, like, it's kind of interesting. So there's now, like, it's kind of cool. They're doing some neat things if you have the cards or the figurines. If you don't have them, all this is worthless. But if you do, it's kind of cool. So there's now, like, an RV campground by this hippy-dippy guy named uh, Harvey. He runs it. He is the dog version of the person that was leading the direct. Also, can we... Let's back up. The Direct had a K.K. Slider Slender Man. Can we please address that for a minute? <laughs> like, why? Why not? And is this Nintendo's version sure of the they, Clown in the Woods? I'm the, sure they the tested Man out KK? having, like, 
a humaner version of KK, that, but kind of like um, this hippie dog, but yeah. they realized oh, it looks a little weirder. Let's just make a giant costume. Let's look at Slenderman. Yeah. <laughs> like kids' dreams. Like there's, so now in the woods there are creepy clowns, there's Slenderman, and there's KK. Just the, the holy trinity of, of spooky things. Either that or that's just kind of like where their budget ended. I mean, they had enough <laughs> they to ended make... ended with the head. Yeah, they, they had enough to make the head, but they couldn't make a chubby, like, theme, star, theme park style body. It was kind of nice at the end of the direct, they had a Takata come out and play guitar. He's the musician for, like, the composer for all the Amacross music, a lot of Nintendo music, the secret song and all those games. Totaka. Like, yeah, that, that's... Yeah. Uh, I think I call him the wrong name. I don't know why I just called him, but that's the guy. Said Takeshi, right? I know I said Takata, I think, which is also probably wrong. But anyway, well, I was going to say, so the, the Amiibo thing's actually pretty cool. So it, like I was saying, you have the RVs and you have this whole campground led by Harvey. And um, by scanning in Amiibo, either figurines or cards, how it works is they will arrive in an RV to this campground. You can go into the RV and you can look at their stuff. You can actually buy anything in the RV using this new currency called Meow Coupons where basically um, by completing town initiatives which are almost like you know how on normal Animal Crossing a villager be like go pick me up this item or go get me a, she- a seashell. Now the town is like hey pull 26 weeds or like knock down 5 peaches or you know what get me that seashell. I don't know where you give the town the seashell but that is one of the things you're told to do. Um so yeah, it's kind of like that. So if you do that, you get meow coupons instead of bells. And you take these meows and you go to uh, the, the campsite and you go into the RVs. And anything you see in any RV, you can now buy. So it's like a whole new level of collecting items that wasn't previously there. And you can also invite the villager to move into your town if you like them enough. But the neat thing is the RVs are also custom. And if you scan in Splatoon Amiibo, um, Zelda Amiibo, and Monster Hunter, if you're in Japan, Amiibo, you get... Splatoon characters and Zelda characters and a Monster Hunter character. So you can actually have Ganon, a pig that's representing Ganon, live in your town. Or you yeah, can have the... Wolf Link who talks about how... He's, Wolf Link is shockingly self-centered based on the footage I've seen. Yeah. It's like maybe that's why I didn't talk in Zelda because he's just an egomaniac. But well, you're sorry to say something, I think. Did I cut you off? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I like the idea that you could pretty much customize your whole town to have the types of animal that you would prefer. Like yeah, that's like the first for the series. Yeah, like they were alluding to the fact that, like, oh, if you want to have a... Well, not alluding, they literally showed that yep. if you want to have a town of ducks, if you want to have a bunch of dogs. And I don't know, like, I guess I would want to have just the two hippos, Hippo and Rocco, and I guess some ducks and some birds, but I don't know. But you need all the... See, here's see, the yeah, trick. That, that, yeah, the yeah that's the thing. You need the amiibo cards. That's, the, amiibo. that's the wrinkle through all this. Not just you need the amiibo, but you actually have to do some legwork once you have the amiibo to get them in the game because you don't just go to Harvey and be like, yo, give me this amiibo. You go find Wisp and you have to go look through town. It's a lot of legwork. And there's this guy following Twitter who actually writes for Nintendo Report and he's saying he downloaded the update day one. He went to go find Wisp all day, could not find Wisp. It's like, so you download the new thing for Amiibo, and then you can't actually use Amiibo because you have to go first find Wisp, which isn't a huge problem, but just like an extra Wait, So Wisp is just hidden somewhere? So Wisp, you find a lamp. Hidden somewhere in your town is literally a lamp, and you like a magic lamp, like a genie lamp. And then you find the lamp, and you rub said lamp, and Wisp comes out, and Wisp is like, hey, do you want to scan an Amiibo, or do you want me to like, embody a spirit? And then what he does is you'll scan in... Rocco, for example, or whoever you said, Hippo, and he's getting Hippo, and he um, he will 
and be embodied by Wisp, and you get to see his personality, see what he's like, and they can choose to invite him to come to the campsite or not. And at that point, from my understanding, and at that point they go to the campsite, and at that point they go into your town. It's like a whole rigmarole. Or it's either that or the campsite they just visit, and then you talk to Wisp to get them to move. No, I don't no, that's right. No, yeah, they go to the campsite, and then yeah. after you visit them at the campsite, you can invite them to stay in your town yeah. or to fully move in. And also to kind of help you, I guess, fully customize your town, there's now a week-long period when a villager tells you they're going to move before they actually leave. So you have a week to convince them to stay. Or you could just scan their Amiibo card, and then they'll change your mind instantly. Yep. So, so there's that. But yeah, the, the, the point I was making is um, there is a bit of legwork involved, even not just with buying Amiibo, but also even in the game to get the Amiibo to be able to be scannable. You have to actually go find this thing out in the world, which presumably isn't that hard, but you know, it doesn't sound like it's quite that easy either. Um, but it is, it is cool, the other level of customization, because this is the first time, I think, in any Animal Crossing game that you can actually pick who you want to be in your town, beyond just like, oh, my friend has this cool character, I'll link cable it through the Game Boy Advance with the GameCube and try and do it that way. No, like, you can literally just, like, say, give me Rocco, and there's Rocco. So it's kind of, it's kind of an interesting extra layer. Um, the, the other kind of weird thing... Not really weird, that's the wrong word, but interesting thing is, so they have these amiibo figurines, right? The 16 amiibo figurines. They don't have RVs. So instead, because they predate, like, basically the RVs only work with 50 new character cards that are going to come out on December 2nd with the physical copy. And you can scan any amiibo card from the first four series or the figurines that currently exist, but all they will get you is the villager. That's it. They don't, they didn't, like, retroactively make RVs, which isn't horrible, but seems kind of like, oh, okay. But what they did to make up for it is if you had the figurines, um, you could scan them and have a much easier chance of getting these new fortune cookies from Nook that come with a Wii U and a 3DS. If you get the Wii U, you get a now portable island game version of Desert Island Escape from Amiibo Festival. And if you have the 3DS, you get a portable Animal Crossing themed version of Puzzle League. That's funny. I, I had completely forgotten about the island escape from... I Amiibo, assume that's what it's from. From Amiibo Festival? Well, everyone forgot about Amiibo Festival. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, not surprising. Sorry, but, my wire crinkling. But, yeah, like, I knew that game sounded familiar. Like, I know for a fact I've seen something like exactly like this before. And it wasn't until just right now that I'm like, oh, all right. It's just repurposed. Yeah, it, uh, I saw it and I'm like, so that sounded like I was making their money back on Amiibo Festival. That game bombed, but they'll just stick the games in other games. But, uh, I mean, it's smart on their part. But yeah, it's uh, as a Puzzle League fanatic, that alone might be worth doing the update. To be honest, like I love Puzzle well, League, I mean, or the, I could just download Puzzle League from the eShop and bypass all of this. Well, I mean, the update's free, isn't it? I mean, it is free, but they have to boot up Animal Crossing, go into your town, pull some weeds, talk to some people, all just to play a Puzzle League game. Mm, I don't know. No, I do love Animal Crossing, so it's it's. I wouldn't mind doing that. It's just the whole jumping well, back well, in. What version of Puzzle League is available on the eShop? I think they just have one called Puzzle League. Perhaps I'm wrong. But I could have sworn they put one on there. Maybe it was DSi back in the day. I don't day. know. I guess when I think Puzzle League, the only one that comes to mind is the Pokemon one. Well, there's Pokemon Puzzle League. There's Dr. Mario slash Puzzle League for Game Boy Advance. There's... That's it. <laughs> there's Pokemon Puzzle Challenge on Game Boy Color, hmm. which I believe they actually had the virtual console version of on the eShop, so I could do that. That's my favorite of the bunch. It's for my Pokemon heyday. But, but yeah, I was joking on Twitter, like, I would, for all I care, Pokemon, uh, wow, Animal Crossing, uh, Welcome Amiibo might just be called Welcome Puzzle League, like, that's all that really matters to me, is the Puzzle League part, but, but no, that, so, um, I'll switch thought here, oh yeah, one funny thing, I, I may know this, because I was like, did they, did they do this for real? So if you get the Wii U fortune, you know what the fortune is to get the Wii U? This oh, is, This is yeah, what Nintendo yeah, yeah. wrote, super snarky, 
Great artists aren't always appreciated in their own time. What are you trying to tell us, Nintendo? You think the Wii U didn't sell well enough, perhaps? I mean, you're right, and you're wrong, because it was a weird concept from the start, but either way. Um, yeah, the other thing, oh, one other thing that Amiibo can do, actually, is uh, you could pose them for photos. So there's a new photo-taking mode in Animal Crossing now, uh, if you get the update, where you can pose your villagers with, like, real-life stuff, like AR, and if you scan an Amiibo, they will instantly be added into the photo. Like, for it to be posed and whatnot. So that's a way to add villagers you don't have to your photo, and then you can instantly share the photo directly in-game to social media via the uh, image viewer, or image upload, whatever that image share tool. Image share, that's what it's called. Hmm. Uh, you know how it used to be, like, you have to click and go to a website in your 3DS browser, and then from there you can upload it to our Facebook? And the update actually baked it right into the game. For both this and Metopia, when Metopia comes out. So, the okay. future. But, uh, so that's the Amiibo side of things. The other side of things is I'll just mention little small nips and tucks that actually address a lot of annoyances that I think people who are still playing New Leaf had, or people or people like us who used to play it probably felt the way at the time. Like, uh, you could shake trees while holding items now. So mm. that That's about time. Can't believe it went four entries in the series without them figuring that out, that fix out. Um, you can also do things like have a secret storage, so you don't have to get rid of items as much if you're in your house. So pretty much just extended storage. It's extended yeah. storage, but it goes into like an, an ether. They also have brought over the touch controls for furniture rearrangement from Happy Home Designer. If you have Happy Home Designer, you get extra items in this game, which is a nice plus. And on top of all that, that might actually have been all I had written here. Uh, <laughs> they, um, oh yeah, the town reset. That's what I was going to say. The town reset that you already brought up. Yeah, so they know that it's kind of weird if you haven't played New Leaf in two, three years to go back and just pick up where you left off. So they're actually offering a thing where, like, you go, you reset your town, and it gives you a... Yeah, town look gives you a... Mod, a like an estimate. Value. Yeah, but you yeah. can only do it if your tree has reached level three or something like that. Yeah, it's kind of unfair for people like me who it hasn't. Really? I feel like you playing... Maybe it has. I haven't played in years. I don't remember. But but yeah, the point is Nintendo's using this update not just to do Amiibo, but to also fix a lot of little things that people were bothered by over the years. So it really is kind of a nice overarching expansion pack, if you will, if you want to use PC gaming, like 90s PC gaming terms. But the question becomes, which goes back to your original question, is it enough? Like, is it enough to rehook people? Because, like, after all, the main purpose of this entire endeavor is to sell Amiibo, I think. Like, Animal Crossing... Animal Crossing Amiibo basically need a reason to exist, in my opinion. Like, the the Amiibo cards have done pretty well for themselves. They sold 22, 24 million individual cards or something like that worldwide. Mm. At least at the last number I saw. It might be higher by now. But there's not really a frenzy around them like there is around the Smash lot, or there was around the Smash Amiibo, or even, like, the Mario Amiibo had more attention, like the gold and silver Marios. So there wasn't... Like, people are buying them, but what for? And more of the point, if you look at, like, the Amiibo figurines for Animal Crossing, they have 16 of them, and they're just kind of lost out there. They don't really, like, Amiibo Festival didn't do well, so that wasn't... They weren't sold for that. Happy Home Designer did pretty good at first. It's, like, a quarter million in its first month, but then sort of tapered off, so not being used for that. So I think Nintendo's just like, well, we have all these people with Amiibo cards. We have these figurines we want to sell. They're being sold for, like, literally a dollar at Best Buy from time to time. We need to sell these things somehow. So why don't we take the best-selling Animal Crossing there ever was, New Leaf, and just shove in Amiibo support, and then throw in some fixes and call, call, it, a, you know, call it a day. And I think that's kind of what they were angling at with this update. That's probably why it's free. They're, this is this is like that expression about like you don't sell the knives, you sell the blades. 
It's like, okay, well, people have Animal Crossing. That's the knife. And now the blade will be Amiibo. That will be the thing we're actually going to sell based on these free updates. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is only really great for people that are that never stop playing. But I don't think it's enough for people that completely stop playing. Well, I, th- I think it's a double whammy. I think it could be enough if you were into the Amiibo. If you had eight packs of Amiibo cards, if you had five or six of the Amiibo figurines, maybe yeah, it would but be I worth mean, your while. I mean, if you're bored of the gameplay... Getting won't a new, change it. Yeah, getting a new villager literally isn't going to change anything. It's I just, don't know if they necessarily... It's still more the same. I think they're expecting people to be bored of gameplay. I think they're almost like, it's been three years. Like, it's literally just for Here's... those people that care about what villagers they have. It's Yeah, I think it's just for the people that have some sort of investment on it, whether it's for what villagers they have, or I guess I still want to get towards that perfect town that they haven't quite achieved yet. That's, yeah, I no, I, I get that. I, 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 can see, I can see Nintendo's angle being... Well, maybe people that have the Amiibo, this is a chance to get back in after three years. Because it is, it has been long enough that it could feel fresh. It's like revisiting any other game. And then they fix some of the annoyances, so it is kind of like a better experience. Oh. But Yeah, it's, it's funny because like, with those annoyances, it's been so long that I didn't I even care. know. Yeah, it's like I didn't even know those were issues. I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, you're just kind of used to it. I mean, that sounds cooler, but... No, I, I, I get that yeah. totally. But like, what, what's weird for for me is like, so I, in my personal case, like, I have a single pack of amiibo cards and a Tom Duck. I don't really have much motivation to download the update because, like, I mean, Puzzle League alone, like I said, uh, is reason enough. But honestly, all the little changes, like you said, they're great if you're still playing. But it's been three years. Someone telling me, "Oh, hey, yeah, you can now shake a tree while holding a shovel." I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that was annoying." But I'm not like, "Oh, day one, I'm back." Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of. It's kind of it kind of loses a little less. Well, I mean, I, I guess it's no different than um, we know it's the same thing. I was gonna say like a, a change of that level. It's kind of like um, like the patches of Smash Bros. Like, oh, now I could follow up after an upthrow and with some characters. Like, I mean, yeah. the people that are still playing will care. Yeah, to everyone else, it's no different. What I honestly thought we were gonna see with this update, like to be entirely well, first of all, this thing came out of nowhere. Nintendo said early November we're gonna announce the Amiibo update. Like, we're going to have a direct. I'm like, oh, great. It'll come out December 2nd with the game, up with the physical copy update, with the new Amiibo cards. That makes sense. And they're just like, oh, yeah, buy it. Get it right now. Download it right now for free. It's like, oh, okay. But what I really expected to have happened was they were going to tease out some of the smartphone app stuff. I honestly believed this whole time that the New Leaf update, and I said on the show for the New Leaf update was going to tie in in some way to the Animal Crossing app. But I guess with the app being delayed till next year... And now the update being available in November, I guess they just kind of looked at it as, like, maybe there's not as much of a reason to do it. Maybe they don't need the um, the smartphone support. Like, I wonder if maybe I was misinterpreting this the wrong way. Perhaps, perhaps there's something hidden in the code. Perhaps there's a secret little, uh, there's a secret little thing somewhere in there and then in March they'll be like surprise mm-hmm. and it works with the app I don't know you hear about but, people data mining Pokemon and Smash Bros but you never really hear about people data mining right Animal Crossing. So, so maybe it's in there but now I have a new theory we need those hardcore Animal Crossing hackers yeah yeah but now, now I have a new theory that also would avoid the whole data mining hackers that they have to desperately avoid because there's so many of them in Animal Crossing as you pointed out and that is there was a thing filed recently like an FCC filing recently by Nintendo for a Bluetooth-enabled NFC reader. It's like the 3DS NFC reader that currently exists, but it's through Bluetooth. Now, maybe Switch has Bluetooth, maybe it's for that, or maybe it's for smartphones. Maybe the bridge for Animal Crossing from smartphone to 3DS is Amiibo. 
Perhaps we're looking at Storm. Perhaps the Amiibo cards will play nice with the Animal Crossing smartphone app, and you buy the cards for the smartphone app, and then, oh, hey, just by, co- just by total coincidence, now Animal Crossing New Leaf supports Amiibo. So maybe Amiibo's the gateway drug in all this. Maybe it's not a direct line between the two, uh, the app and game. It's actually Amiibo, and it's a plastic, it's like a plastic bridge between the two somehow. That would almost make more sense. Hmm. It, in this stage, given that this this updates out and we don't know, you know, they haven't teased anything about any sort of connectivity, so maybe maybe it's just Amiibo, and that will explain why that accessory suddenly popped up in the FCC filing. Yeah. Granted, I can't see a ton of smartphone people being like, "Oh, cool, free free Animal Crossing app." Oh, I need to buy a ten dollar NFC reader for it. Mm, like, I don't know. I mean, on Android, actually, now I think about it, on Android, it would make sense because Android has NFC built in and it works with anything. I mean, iPhones also do, but Apple's locked it down. But it could potentially be a thing. And mm. support in mobile games. Nintendo said they haven't ruled it out in the past, so... Well, I mean, I think that, I think that that'd be the smartest thing for them to do with Amiibo at this point. Yeah, I think so. I and mean, then, and then it, also, would, it would only, I mean, it would even give more people to buy Amiibo that don't have a Nintendo console whatsoever. Exactly. I mean, ma- I mean, many people already did for the Smash Bros. one because... Like, oh, there was no Nest toys or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Or just for the collector value. But I'm sure there's still a lot of people holding out, especially parents, because they're like, oh, they don't have... Timmy doesn't have a 3DS or a Wii U. Right, little Timmy, not just yeah. Timmy. He's always little Timmy. Well, he, he's grown a little. Oh, yeah, medium-sized Timmy. I guess Timmy. it has been almost four, yeah, five he, years. Yeah, he's a Timmy now. I mean, Timmy's still a little, a little kid name. I mean, then he's going to be Tim. And, and then, then Timothy yeah. in a tweed jacket teaching a class with a pipe in his mouth. Yep. This is like way down the line when he has Timothy, a big, burly white beard. I, I, can't, I can't really see Timothy as like an old guy name. No, he'd be Tim. Yeah, Tim. Well, no, it depends. If he's like a professor... Professor Timothy Jones. I, I don't know. I, I guess uh, Timothy just sounds like a cartoon character's name. Well, well, that's because he it is. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm in Oh yeah, that's part of the one. Uh, yeah. Well, that's Timmy. That's Timmy, but yeah, which no, is that's Timothy. Yeah. Huh. This is a weird tangent, <laughs> so I'm just gonna go ahead and change topic completely. Um, so in America, that was the Animal Crossing update. Neither of us have it yet. I feel like I'll get it eventually. I just don't have the drive at this point. Like I'm curious. But there's not there's not quite enough there. But one thing I might, I need space. Otherwise, I probably Dude, would just not. get an SD card. Uh, I don't know. It's like if I get well, there aren't enough stuff for me to download the, to warrant getting an SD card. Like the the space you get like a SD card for nothing, like ten bucks. Yeah, but I mean, I have like no real reason to. Like, if I were to try to get Animal Crossing, I'd have to delete maybe like three or four things that I don't use anymore. But there's like nothing else. Like, how the, big is the file? Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess the Animal Crossing updates over a gig, isn't it? So that might. That yeah, might not only that, but um, I'm trying to save whatever space I already do have for Pokemon because I might just get it oh, as a download. Right, right. As opposed to a cartridge for That's once. That's out in only like a week. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first episode, by the way. You ruined it by saying it, but this was going to be the first episode that we did not have any reason to discuss Sun and Moon. We were discuss, we're going to discuss Go in a bit, but we have no reason to discuss Sun and Moon, except in the context of Go. So, you ruined it. Thanks. You realize that's the first time since E3 that we would not discuss Pokemon. God, how could you? I'm just kidding. Um, what I was going to say, though, is while here in the States, we only got Animal Crossing over in Japan, they got another second direct... That came mere days after the first, and boy was it confusing, partly because it's in Japanese. And that is for Miitopia, which was that mysterious game that's been on Nintendo's release schedule for months, for multiple financial quarters, and we finally know what it is. And what it is, is a JRPG mixed with Tomodachi life. So, like, you know, it's one of those things that, like, 
If you let Nintendo run wild with Miis, it's always a little weird. If you Nintendo, if Nintendo makes a Japan-only release, it's always a little weird. So imagine what happens when you combine the two and you get Miitopia. So I don't know if you've read up on it at all. It's actually, it sounds... I've seen some videos. It sounds kind of fun. So the basic premise is pretty simple. There's this evil thing named the Demon King, and he's stealing faces. It's up to you and your ragtag team with Miis that you choose to go and get the faces back. So, the gameplay is really traditional JRPG, turn-based battles, resting in inns, adjusting stats by eating items, like food, basically. Um, but then you put in, like, the Tomodachi Life quirk, and you get Metopia, and it's weird, it's bizarre. So, when it all first begins, you pick your me for every single character in the game. You pick who's on your team, which friends of yours are on your team, you pick uh, the bosses, the townspeople, the Demon King's face, everything. And when you're choosing your, t- your team, you got to pick one of 12 different classes. So you got the standard RPG fair, warrior, mage, priest, or they could be a cat, or they could be a tank. Literally, they will put your me's face on a tank, and there will be a tank that rolls into battle next to your mage and your priest and fight as a little 20th century tank next to these medieval things. Um, and you get to pick their personality types and all that sort of thing. So you can actually have a friend that in real life, is the coolest person in the world. And then in the game, you want to make the worst person in the world, which I imagine would be what you do to me if you ever get this, is make me the worst person in the world. Because I am currently the coolest person in the world, so... I wouldn't have to do anything. It would already come out like that. I set that up. I set that up too easily for you. But, uh... But yeah, so you do these personality types. And what's interesting about personality types is they actually... The worst. Thanks. Thanks. I'm already physically sick. I gotta mentally make me sick as well. Anyway, uh, yeah. So the the personalities actually matter because in battle they affect how how they battle, but more to the point, they affect their relationships with one another. And these relationships are the other half of the game besides the RPG. So they may actually start fighting amongst themselves. There may be romances that develop. Uh, all that can happen. And when you go to the inns in between towns, each me goes to their own room, but you can send them to each other's rooms to mix and mingle and whatnot. So mm. that's kind of the Tomodachi life half of it. So, as that game taught us, pretty much anything weird that could happen is going to happen in this. So, I'm expecting Nintendo... I think Nintendo's expecting, too, that there's going to be a lot of, like, viral moments they create from their bizarre scripts they write for these and the different relationships between the Miis. And the reason I suspect that is because, again, it has built-in image share, just like the Animal Crossing update, like I said before. But also, any battle will be recorded. You can play it back and then freeze-frame specific moments, take screenshots of that, and then share those. So they're counting on things getting really weird or funny or bizarre. Like, oh, you're fighting your friend, blah, 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 but they're like a slug or whatever. Like that sort of thing. So hmm. it could potentially be fun in the same way that uh, Tomodachi Life is fun. But the, there, there is one extra layer, actually, that I completely forgot, is you can also upload and download Miis through some sort of Wi-Fi interface, and then they will randomly insert the most popular Miis currently in the network into your game as NPCs. So you might just randomly come across, like, I don't know, Pee Wee Herman somewhere or, like, something like that. And presumably that will create moments that they... I, this definitely feels like, like, what if an RPG had the Tomodachi Life, like, social media poll that it had for that first couple months? Like, this is definitely... Sounds very internet meme-friendly. Exactly, yeah. So it, it also sounds like a souped-up Street Pass game in many, many ways. Like, it looks kind of like a Street Pass game. It, they're the same, like, graphics engine, but it could still be... Pretty fun, and the sheer weirdness of it makes me kind of intrigued. 
Um, it's, I assume it's coming stateside sometime next year. Right now it's only Japan. But uh, when it does come here, I suspect I'll pick it up because I got Tondachi Life and I had fun with that for a little while. So why not? I, I'm kind of hoping it's budget price because it sounds pretty short. But, but I guess if you want like a meaty RPG, then you could turn to like Dragon Quest Eight, which Nintendo just announced is coming out January 20th. So just sliding that in there for anyone who needs to know that. But uh, but yeah, it could be cool. It could be cool. We shall soon. Uh, soon. Hmm? Ish. Soonish. Uh, for us, we just have I mean, no well, idea. Here's the here's the thing: is they any... went from announcing it like at the start of November. To, I think it's out in Japan already. Right? Like it was like five days. So I don't know. Like it could be soon. <clears throat> Excuse me. It could be soon. It could be far. <clears throat> I suspect it's gonna be when Nintendo's a lull. Because I mean, if they have Dragon Quest Eight in January, and then they have, let's say, Pikmin for 3DS in March or April, and they have Mario Sports uh, Superstars in oh, March right. or April. Like, they have a game almost every month next year, so... Forgot that with the thing. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it, they don't necessarily have to pump this out that quickly. It could be a May release, or June. They could go for June. That's when Tomodachi Life came out, if I remember correctly. So, we shall see. But, but yeah, those games, along with Animal Crossing and now Mitomo, or not Mitomo, sorry, Mitopia are kind of a nice reminder that the 3DS is not going away all that quickly. Uh, it's something we discussed before. Uh, I, I brought this idea, like, the Switch could be, like, this high-end device, and Nintendo could have the 3DS kind of live on as this budget device. They did in 2005 with the DS and the GBA. We've talked about this. This is nothing new. But what's new is um, Tatsumi Kimishima, their uh, president, has gone on... Wait, is his name Tatsumi? I just totally blanked out. That is his first name, right? Or is it Takashi? It's Tatsumi. Well, Kimishima, their president, has... I should know I met the man. But, uh, yeah, their president, Kimishima, has... This is me. This is what happens when I'm sick. I forget first names of Japanese businessmen. It's really a... And I blank out and just not respond. What? I said, and I just blank blank out and just not respond. Because we do have the internet, and our listeners deserve to know. I'm Googling it. In real time. Tatsumi. All right. Kimishima? Kimishima. Well, Kimishima, I knew. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but whatever. But it's Tatsumi. I'm proud of myself. I, I remember the name of people I meet. That's good. Uh, I'm not fully gone. But anyway, he was saying in an interview with Bloomberg a few weeks ago that uh, the Switch differs from 3DS, so we will continue to develop games intended for 3DS. So there's the confirmation to my theory that like if the 3DS becomes this budget thing, they can sell you know evergreen tiles forever on there, make money off that. They can harvest new people they don't currently have because it's a cheaper price. And then they can just pump out games that take less to develop because it's it's a cheaper system. There's still an audience for it, and the games will be different. So that's why, you know... Pikmin, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Yeah, or like Donkey Kong Country, like... Or whatever other Wii U game that could Yeah, they could down. do that. They could do... I mean, <laughs> Platoon Go. That would actually be kind of cool. I don't know. I, I, could, see that game, I could see that game working yeah. well on Portable. But like that's why, like if you look at Pikmin for 3DS, it's a size scroll. It's probably... It looks like using a similar engine to Chibi Robo. And then you've got, like, uh, Ziplash. And then you've got, you know, Mario Sports Superstars, which is just all the different Mario Sports game engines kind of compiled together into a game. You've got Metopia, which is literally Tomodachi Life and... Or not Tomodachi Life, uh, the Street Pass games engine, like I was saying before. It looks just like a Street Pass game. So it's an easy way for them to pump out games pretty quickly and make some money and still sell things. Because, like, you've got people like us who are going to buy Switch games and whatever new for 3DS comes out, and then you've got all the people who just got 3DS and are first 
experiencing all the old games plus these new it's ones. Better it's better not to do give them some sort of excuse as to why they have potential switch droughts. Like, oh man, it's been forever, but we're still getting 3DS games. Like, yeah, same, like, no, same. nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. The switch is a lie. It's really just a console. No, but uh, it, it seems like it's not going to be like the biggest. I don't think it's going to be a huge thing that's going to like drive their profit. As much as Switch will, because Switch, they have confirmed, is not selling at a loss. They reconfirmed that in their financials recently. But it does guarantee them some extra money on the side. It's an easy profit maker. And I think in the case of Miitopia, they are probably hoping there's some at some level that Miitomo will transfer people over to Miitopia. I don't think it's going to be like a huge thing, but I can see some people that like Miitomo a lot and are like, oh... Now my Mii star in this weird little RPG? Okay, and go buy it. I suspect most of those people already have <laughs> I should go 3DS. buy a 3DS. I suspect most of the people already oh, have a 100 bucks on Black Friday? Yes, that is the nice thing, is um, it is only 100 bucks on Black Friday. So if you don't have a 3DS... Not the XL, though. No, the regular. Yeah. So it's only the special model. But to be frank, all of what I've been saying is building up to this one point that you just made for me, which is if you don't have a 3DS, there's two really cool new limited edition 3DS designs coming out on Black Friday, 100 bucks each. You might as well. That's really cheap. It's a good deal. It's the norm. It's the new Nintendo 3DS regular size, not XL regular. But it's a cool black on black Mario art design or a cool white on white Mario art design. It looks really nice. It's like characters and. Bad guys, it looks really, really nice. And plus, if you get it for only 100 bucks, you can now play the new Pokemon. You can now play all these evergreen tiles. You can play the just-announced Blaster Master Zero, which uh, the guys that make Azure Striker Gunvolt have made, are making a new Blaster Master, which is a throwback to the 80s, but still, the Azure Striker Gunvolt games are really cool, and what they're doing is basically taking Blaster Master's 8-bit look and feel, adding new areas, adding new bosses, adding new out-of-tank gameplay and other stuff and just sort of packaging it as entirely new thing. So it's a complete remake in the style of the 8-bit but with the enhancements of what modern 3DS can give you. So that's next year. But between that and Miitopia uh, and Animal Crossing Welcome Edition and Mario Sports Superstars and Pikmin and Dragon Quest, there's plenty to play. So yes, if you don't have a 3DS, the $100 one's a really good deal. Weren't you... like that flip-flopping, like kind of waffling on whether you should get a new 3DS for Pokemon to speed up? Yeah, but they're all too expensive. I mean, at that point, I was like, oh, I'm only going to get a new 3DS XL, but I was actually kind of tempted to get the the Pokemon Sun and Moon exclusive one. Right. That's but, an XL, right? Yeah. For 200. But uh, 200 just seems like a lot for a console I already have. So, but what about 100 for a cool yeah, but, Mario design one with faceplates that are interchangeable in case you want something else? Yeah, which there definitely are a lot of faceplates I do like that are... Well, I guess I would have to import some of them since the U.S. isn't really Store.nintendo.com has almost all of them. Ooh. The more you know. Yeah, in that case, um, yeah, I am most likely, I'm like 80% sure I'm going to get this new 3DS instead. The nice thing is, uh, you don't have to go stand in line on Black Friday. A couple of retailers have confirmed it'll be on their website. I believe Best Buy is one of them. Yeah. So. I will most likely definitely do that. But yeah, the, the point of that bringing up the whole 3DS lives on thing is to encourage all of you listening, if you somehow are listening to us and don't own a 3DS... This is a really good deal. Like, I mean, you could go get a 2DS for 20 bucks less, but then you don't have 3D, you don't have faceplates, you don't have 3D, again, because it's important. Uh, it's not really, but yeah, this is like, this is a deal. This is a good deal. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you might actually do it, you think? Most likely. Are you going to do black or white? Black. 
good choice. It looks yep. better than the white. Because if I want to get the orange faceplate, I would like how orange on black looks better than Halloween. orange on white. Halloween. Yeah, like Halloween. I mean, there is already an orange 3DS XL, new 3DS XL in Europe that, I don't know, the orange buttons look kind of weird. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like black face, but orange buttons and orange D-pad. But I would like it better if it's just all black and then orange on the other side. Plus, there's some cool Bowser ones that are just silhouetted and nice looking. So, definitely going to get that. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, je- I'm, gonna be honest, I'm jealous of the faceplates on the new normal size 3DSs. Like, I like my XL for the... I like the size of my XL. No, yeah, I like that I have black. Like, that's the car I've always... Like, my first uh, 3DS was black. Then I got the normal XL, the old XL, which was blue. And I'm like, I guess. But I like that my new XL is black. But, oh, the faceplates. There's so many cool designs. Yeah, there are. I, I really like you, the black on black. I was going to say, like, you might as well get Because you have... No, I'm not quadruple dipping. This is <laughs> not going to get me to quadruple dip. Yeah, but you have... I know, you have the XL, the new XL, and the regular 3DS. You're literally just missing one. And it's a hundred bucks, and it has some cool designs. Like you might as well just get. No, it. I might as well not. There's no selling point besides completing the set. You once duped me into you, buying. Do you, wait, do you not okay, have? Hold on. Before we go further, for everyone listening, there was one time me and Angel were at Toys R Us. At that time, Amiibo was still a thing in my life that I cared deeply about, and I had a Mega Man Amiibo at home, and I had a Pac Man Amiibo at home, and we're sitting there, and they had a bunch of Sonics, and he's like. Using this exact same logic. You already have the Mega Man. You already have the Pac-Man. You might as well get the Sonic. I'm like, I don't care about the Sonic. I don't like the design. But you might as well get the Sonic. Two minutes later, I'm walking out with the Sonic at full price. So I can't let you try and dupe me a second time. <laughs> That's my point. But you, Nintendo history, you have uh, the whole lineage. You almost had it with the 3DS. I mean, with the regular DS. I do have it right there. Oh, see, almost, right. So I can almost have it again with this one. The only lineage I have the complete set of is the Game Boy Advance. I have Game Boy Advance. Game Boy Advance SP, Game Boy Advance Micro. And the only reason I have the Micro is because Nintendo sent me one when I was a, when I was. Oh, I just felt like this one's cheap enough that you might as well just get it. No, n- no. Well, it'd be cool. It would be cool, but no, I don't think I'm going to. Especially oh, see, the- see, it's already happening. I said <laughs> no, and now I'm saying I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> Especially with the faceplates, I don't know. It just seems like a system Jason would totally get. It would if he didn't already have three others that totally play the same thing. So, not gonna happen. You barely even use it to begin with. That's why I'm saying you might as well just get it because they're like ornaments. Yeah, now I'll use each one even less. They're ornaments. They're not ornaments. <laughs> for, they're not ornaments. Yeah, for your room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just. Um, hey, when Pokemon comes out, I'm playing that at least like four times. <laughs> no, I actually am really excited for Pokemon. I'm going to put a lot of hours inside, I feel like. Maybe. We'll see. Not as many as you. How many hours is in your most played Pokemon? Around 800. Yeah, see, I'm not doing that. But I'll get through more than a thousandth of that. So more than eight minutes, I guess. <laughs> but but that math is incorrect. But no, I, I get to the third gym. I'll get past it. There are no gyms. Get to the third trial. The third island. There's only three islands. Oh, trial. That's a trial. Uh, yeah, I can do that. I'm gonna get further than you think because we have to share impressions on the show, if nothing else. So. <laughs> The game turns on when you want it to. <laughs> the ga- you know, the game responds well to button presses. It's fine. When it says to hit A to do something, I hit A. It does the thing. But So, yes, yeah, so that's the 3DS to, to reel this back in. Uh, you don't need to control the Pokemon directly. That's what was annoying me. Okay, I know Pokemon. <laughs> hey, I beat the Elite Four multiple times in multiple Pokemon games. So Which ones? Red and Silver. Oh, God. But it still happened. And I wear that badge with pride, that not real badge. 
You're just looking at me like a horrible person. I don't know how to redeem myself. I'll beat Pokemon Sun. I don't think you will. Yes, I will. I'm saying it on the air. It has to happen. The last time I said that was uh, A Link Between Worlds, and I did. Yeah, but that one was notoriously an easy game. So, we'll see. Well, I didn't know that when I agreed. I said it before it came out. I mean, this one could be too far, we know. Yeah, I'm going to beat mm. Sun. We're going to shake on it right now. All right. I'm beating Sun. Not by the time we give impressions. That's crazy talk. But I am being sun at some but point. We have to give you a deadline, though. Because, I mean, you could literally just say... By the Switch launch. So by March. By the Switch. It, yeah, because once the Switch comes out, I'm not going back. So All right. So, yeah, it's till March to beat it. All right. You heard it here first. All seven of you listening. That'd be There's amazing. actually way more than seven of you, but... Because that means by the end, you will have at least a, a decent team to make it yeah, that far. Yeah, in theory. Yeah, you might be able what to... What did I just commit to? More, How many hours of gameplay? More game time on one game that you've ever put in in the last decade? Well, no, that's not true. No. No, I put a lot of time into some games. Then you will on this one? I think you end up... Oh, you might be. Well, if I'm sitting there training up, like, opposed to just getting by by the well, skin of my teeth. What's the thing? Because I'm, I'm hoping... No one said I'm going to be I'm, good I'm, at it. I well, just I'm hoping, beat it. I'm hoping some trials will have... Such a high level that if you'll have to train up your Pokemon just to beat them. If they're all Pokefinder trials or just to take pictures and then fight them in battle, I'm pretty sure I can nail it with like a level 2 Pokemon the entire time. <laughs> but if it's something more than that, then you're probably right. See, look, like I said, like I was saying, Nintendo 3, the 3DS is going to live on. There we go. It's living on in my life. It's living on in your life. Like, Looking forward to this. Yeah, so I'm suddenly not sure what to think anymore. But you know what's not living on? I'm I'm putting this back on track. You ready? You know what's not living on, even though the 3DS is? The Wii U. On the other side of the coin here with Nintendo, the Wii U is dead and done and over. And you should. And while we kept saying you should buy a 3DS, you should not buy a Wii U, at least not the $300. Can you believe it still hasn't dropped in price since it came out? That's ridiculous. They've added games, so in a way they've adjusted know, its value, but yeah, it vet, has not yeah. dropped in price. Yeah, that's that's crazy. It's insane. But but more to the point, they're now officially winding down support for the Wii U. Nintendo confirmed at Taijian that production is ending in Japan. In fact, all the physical hardware that will come to North America for the Wii U between now and the end of the fiscal year, which is March, which is when Switch comes out, is already sent to retailers. There's no more shipments. This is the end. So it's a collector's item now. It's a collector's item now, yeah. But this is it. It's over. It's it, We've reached the end of the era. It was admittedly a very weird era of like bizarre, unusual hardware choices, but it's also an era of excellent games. So, I mean, you got the best Smash, the best Mario Kart, crazy new stuff like Splatoon, I know this is not an debatable. amazing <laughs> Mario... What? I'm not saying, I know this is not debatable. No, it is not. I'm telling you all. It was the best Smash, the best Mario Kart. Uh, but no, like we got really good Mario, got really cool new stuff like Splatoon. We got arguably the best Donkey Kong Country, at least of the revived series. Yeah. Um, what else? There, there's a lot of really good games. We got crazy 3D, stuff. 3D World. Oh, yeah. The, an amazing Mario. We got crazy stuff like Nintendo Land. Yeah. That's a funny thing. We got like, a lot of really um, unique indie stuff, like Rumbo. Yes, that's very true. That's really cool. And, like, even though the Wii U on some level didn't necessarily... Heck, even the the first Skunk Bundle. Huh, that's true. Part of them laughs. It did. And then tears. Not of joy. <laughs> just sadness. <laughs> but, yeah, no, the, the thing about the Wii U is, like, we've talked about it a little before, but it kind of never really fulfilled its promise, but... It is kind of sad that we're at this end of an era where Nintendo came out with all this asynchronous gameplay stuff and is this idea of like, oh, you can do different things on different screens. It did give like me a zombie taste. You. 
Oh, zombie you. And it did give me a taste of um, console Monster Hunter that I never got to experience on the PS2. Right. And then took it away for yeah. three entries. Yeah, and now and now just laughs at you from afar. And, well, hopefully, potentially, we can get it back. I mean, the Frontier series is still on console, but that's not a... Capcom's been saying they want to bring Monster Hunter to consoles because um, handheld in the West, the sales of handhelds are much lower. Only about 10% of all video game sales involve handhelds, apparently, here in the west so which sounds so wrong. that's why it's only doing handheld no no they're saying they now want to expand it because in japan monster is huge on handhelds where yeah. it's the dominant force but now here, they, have, they hit a ceiling yeah. they basically hit a ceiling so they want to put it on mm. consoles which, which both which plays mm. nicely like you were about yeah. to say with, and with, with your and i guess you also i guess your second bet i think oh yeah, I, yeah. from last episode yeah. that's coming to the switch the yeah, i think you bet a dollar yep i did yeah, that it will be launch a, day. Yeah. Well, you said launch window. Launch window, but then you made me say launch day because you didn't want to create a launch window. So, yeah, because that could be like right. So it know. became launch day. So, yeah. but yes, I did say that. But um, I was say, but yeah, like the Wii U was a cool thing, and like zombie, like I started saying about zombie, like the whole like backpack on one screen with something going else on TV, something else going on TV is really neat. Nintendo Land. There's a lot of really cool multiplayer stuff you can really do with the asynchronous setup. Yeah, that game really should have gone on a sequel. And it should in the four years. It really should have. But Game and Wario, some of it was kind of meh, but some of it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, stuff like having your Pictionary game. Mm-hmm. I forgot what it's called. It's by a indie. <laughs> no, no, Draw Something is an iPhone game. Pick the uh, Party. Yeah, that's what it is. But like, there's a lot of cool stuff. And it's kind of weird that we're now at the end of it. The other weird thing about it, arguably almost the weirder thing about it, in my opinion, is that what's also happening is with the Wii U being phased out, that means Nintendo's like flagship system for the first time in at least half a decade no longer is a system with dual screens. The era of the dual screen Nintendo device is winding down. Granted, 3DS still has it because 3DS has the legacy of having it. But, and it'll continue to have it as a budget system. But if you look at, like, Nintendo's pinnacle product, the Switch, you know, in March, no more dual screens. That's, they brought dual screens out 12 years ago, if I remember, my, if I got my math correctly. Yeah, 2004. 12 years ago, dual screens became a thing with the DS, and now here we are in 2016, and it's kind of the end. I mean, it'll trickle into 2017, so we're looking at 13 years, and maybe 2018, so 14 years. But still, that's kind of crazy that, like, this bizarro idea of what if you split things in half is now fading away. It's been such a defining feature of Nintendo for so long. Yeah, you almost get used to it. It seems almost like a standard. Yeah, yeah, it was a standard. I mean, it and it it was cool when it lasted. It wasn't perfect, I don't think, by any means. But it had a lot. It became a staple of Nintendo. It became a standard. It had a lot of really cool experiences, like. There's that whole period of DS games that were vertically stretched. Right, so you had Contra like, 4. Yeah, Contra 4, like Yoshi's Island DS, or even like Advance Wars, where it'd be like on the ground, you have the ground battle in the area of the air battle, and you have to juggle both, opposed to like switching between screen. Like, instead of hitting A to switch between screens, they're both there constantly. Yeah, World Ends With You did something. Yeah, World Ends With You did a whole bunch of crazy stuff with that. Um, and again, like, I think, I know we already said this, but like Zombie U is a good example of the dual screen setup as much as it is the asynchronous, yeah. or not asynchronous, uh, asymmetric gameplay thing. Mm-hmm. But, so it's kind of weird, isn't it? And even stuff that didn't matter. Like Mario Kart put a map on the bottom screen, Pokemon had menu options on the bottom screen, like Zelda had a map on the bottom screen that you drew on to send, you know, like the... Uh, the boomerang. Yeah, or that sort of thing. Like all that is just like, that was a period of Nintendo that's now over. It's weird. Yeah. It's like I'm lamenting a death of something. I sort of am in a way, because it became their standard. It was their MO for so long. It's been their MO for, like, 
a third of my life, almost. Wow. A little more, a little more. Between a third and a half. I'm not 30, so... But um, I'm still a few years away. But yeah, it's been it's been their MO for such a long time. That's kind of weird that they're just moving past it. And that means that all our games are going to get really cluttered looking again. Because that's the one really nice thing about dual screens is like Mario Kart 8, nothing was on the screen really because it was all on the gamepad. Or, you know, like uh, Pokemon, you didn't have to have the menu options overlaying the battle. They could be separated. That's even true in Sun and Moon when it comes out in a couple weeks. So yeah, get ready for, for yeah. messy HUDs again. I mean, especially for Pokemon. Um, Pokemon... Actually, now that I think about it, even the Game Boy Advance games and the Game Boy games didn't really have any HUD on the screen, but I guess it was just during battles that it just No, but they kept had, you kept having to leave the... They over, so if you like to battle, and then they'd overlay it with a menu when you need it, and then the menu would go well, away, and you'd watch the battle. Well, no, the menu, the menu would be the bottom half, like the bottom third, mm-hmm. and then the top third was like the battle. So, I mean... But you can't have a cinematic battles if a third of your screen is a menu. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like the only real thing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's not a huge deal. Like, we've been playing... We played GameCube and we were like, oh darn, I can't see anything. And no one, when the Switch was shown, was like, man, that Mario Kart 8 Switch port looks really messy with a map in the middle. But still, it's kind of like, it was it was nice. Everything looked more cinematic, and now it's less cinematic. Yeah. But, I mean, did you have any, were there any specific, like, dual screen experiences you had that you're like, whoa, this is cool, like, the first time? Um, probably 999. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the whole virtual book thing. That's another thing that's gone down. Yeah. Carrying it vertically. Because 999 specifically, like, that game was designed with the 3DS in mind. So even though it's getting ported to other consoles, like, I think the PS4 is getting it. Oh, really? This week or this month. Like, the PS4 and Vita are getting a version of 999. And certain parts of it, like, especially the ending, like, you, it's definitely very two-screen-centric. And... Besides that one, yeah, I just saw those visual novel games. Like, I definitely enjoyed playing um, Ace Attorney. Actually, yeah, definitely Ace Attorney on dual screens was very nice. Because you get all the mini stuff on the bottom, and you just get your text and pictures on the top. I still remember when I got the first Ace Attorney, and all it had on the bottom screen was the next button. Because the very first Ace Attorney was a port of Game Boy Advance game. Yeah. So they were just like, what if we just move the button below? And then the final case in the first Ace Attorney actually did dual screen stuff and touch screen stuff. But the later ones, yeah, I could see it being super cool. Yeah, because I mean, I also like played the games recently on, on my iPad and on an iPhone. And you definitely do miss just having all that clutter out of the way. Right? And I feel um, like even stuff like uh, Brain Age wouldn't have been possible in the same way. Yeah. How you draw while having the prompt without covering the prompt with your... But then again, people figured it out because there's brain age games for iPhone where they just artificially split the screen. I guess widescreen gaming kind of fixed a lot of these yeah. issues. But but yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of weird that like all these things are ending for Nintendo. Picto chat, was... picto chat, ah, uh, picto chat. Wherever yeah. you went, when there was a picto chat, it's always the worst conversation you would ever have with anyone. Yeah, that are like five to ten feet away from you. Yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like there's just anonymous enough that people say what they want, but you could also look over and see people snickering back. They're the they're the douchebag over there. <laughs> but uh but yeah, so it is kind of the end of an era for Nintendo in multiple ways with the end of the Wii U, but it's also kind of other things are coming into their place pretty quickly. I mean, mobile for Nintendo is a big thing. This is a not-so-great transition. I blame my sickness. But uh, mobile is now growing important to Nintendo as some of these other things decrease. And they're really doubling down on their current projects. So a couple things we're going to talk about mobile so now, I guess. Um, 
I you you wouldn't necessarily think that they put this much effort into say Mitomo, but they're really going big on Mitomo. They seem to think this is an opportunity for him, so they had pushed out this so-called big update. That's literally what it's called. I don't know why they don't call it 2.0. It is 2.0 on the version log. It's 2.0.1, but they're just calling it the big update. But uh, what it does now is I don't know. Have you do you have Mitomo? The new you deleted it a long time ago. Did this entice you to come back or no? <sighs> no. If I guess if I had more than 16 gigs on my phone, maybe. Dude, God, live that 256 like. But that's the thing, like, it's still a maybe. Yeah. Like, I, every time I play a game on my phone, it ends up being at a time where I should be doing something else. Like, I've never uh, played, yeah, yeah. I've never played something on my phone when I shouldn't be, when I should be doing something else. When I should, well, it's always been a distraction. I can't, right. I can't word right. Well, <laughs> we all know about your, uh, Hearthstone addiction, so. Yeah, so, I mean, if I if I can't have Hearthstone on my phone, I'm not going to have any of the game on my phone. That's fair. But Nintendo's trying to win you back, and they're trying to win you back to Mitomo. Well, with, then they should make a Hearthstone Mario edition. Well, well, here's how they're trying to win you back. It's not Hearthstone Mario, it's private messaging in Mitomo. That's it. That's the only way they're winning you back, is they think, is just private messaging. No, but it's actually, um, it's kind of neat. So basically, you, um, you can now send your me running back and forth between you and your friend to send individual messages. And it's kind of like a texting app, except the me can show emotion and do animations and stuff. And you can also send these new sidekick me's, which is another new feature they added. Um, basically, you can have a hundred secondary me characters, each with their own room, and you can make me's all look different, do different things. They could send any of these me's to your friends for one on one on one conversations, and then it could go back and forth. Um, as I think a lot of people predicted, another new thing that's in this is uh, rooms can now be customized as well. So each of those sidekick me's can have their own custom room, and your main me can have a custom room. You can have wallpapers, you can have floors. You can actually hang your me photos or any photo from your camera roll, which sounds dangerous, as posters on your walls. You can have up to eight posters per room. First poster slot is free. The others all cost 99 cents. Oh, God. But imagine what people are putting in their rooms, because you can put any Probably very appropriate photo. stuff. Pro- I imagine it's all just pictures of daisies. Just people, both the princess and the flower. But, yeah, I, I don't know. But uh, the, the emphasis on the private messaging thing, I feel like has to exist, because Nintendo's trying to beef up my Nintendo numbers. They're probably trying to get people, and my Nintendo friendless specifically, because they probably want people to be prepared for Mario Run next month, which does use the my Nintendo oh, friendless. Oh, sorry, next month? Yeah. And they likely are going to have the my Nintendo friendless go directly into the Switch in March. I think they've said they're going to do that. So I imagine this is kind of a move to get people to get back into their Nintendo friendless and, and expand it, or say a month from now. It's a way for people that made me meet through Mario Run and play each other in Mario Run to then have a way to communicate to one another without giving out phone numbers by just messaging in Tomo. So it's kind of like, I think they're trying to do this as a way to broaden my Nintendo. Um, it's the, Nintendo's saying the PM system is better than a chat app because it's more than just text. There are animations, there's emotions, etc. I would say that's debatable because you have to like open the app, wait for it to load, which it still has that long load time. Oh, Even on the seven, it takes a couple seconds to load, and iPhone seven. And then you, uh, you know, you have to watch the me run away to the other person, like out the door, and then they run back when there's a response, and they just keep going back and forth. So it's not the speediest thing. So it's not. They're like, oh, it's better than chat, but I don't know if it's actually better than chat, if you really just want chat. I mean, based on your description, it sounds worse than chat. Yeah, exactly. But they're saying it's more, it's better because it has emotions, and you can show character, like, the me can express an emotion and do animations and stuff. Which is true. It's like, it's like an emoji, 
that's speaking your chat your text message for the chats when you just want to sit down on the couch and just have and just a conversation with someone that takes like three hours instead of three minutes because yeah like a very you know what really conversation. Is? Nintendo says it's better for chat I argue this is swap note 2.0 swap note was a thing people used you sent me swap notes of random stuff all the time and I could see the Mitomo PM system basically being the modern day swap note. You're not going to use it for data. You're not going to use it for real texting. Swap note was really great. Yeah, you're not going to use it for real texting. You're not going to use it for real, actual, meaningful conversations. But it is kind of a fun way to communicate separately from the other ways you communicate. Much like some people like to, you know, like if you have a real conversation, you're like, oh, we'll do it in Facebook Messenger, or we'll do it in WeChat, or WhatsApp, or any of those. But if you want to just like, share a funny thing, you'll send an Instagram direct message or a Twitter DM or something like that. Like, it could be an equivalent to that. Hmm. I could see it maybe doing that. It is basically swap note, in my opinion. But, Speaking um, of messaging apps, um, yeah. what is Line and why does Nintendo love it so much? Line is a Japanese messaging app that's kind of like Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp or any of those. They very smartly integrate with third parties to make stickers and whatnot, and they're very big in Japan. They're very popular in Japan, so Nintendo hopped on it to make stickers that is that app available use. here? It is available here. It's just not as popular here. Oh, with the Nintendo stickers? I believe so. Mm. But Nintendo... But, but who am I going to message? Yeah, not only that, but Nintendo seems to realize that it's not a fail-safe way to get people around the world to talk, which is why I think Mario Run stickers exist in iMessage. Mm. It's basically iMessage. I hope that's the transition for them to put, I guess, those same stickers on from Line to iMessage, because a lot of those are really cool. Well, really I'm at, well, Line has, like, dozens of packs, and iMessage just has Mario no, right like, now. So yeah, like, I was, I was just watching a video of someone going through some, and there was, like, one where, like, Peach stops Bowser, and Bowser does, like, a, like a hurt yell. What's nice is uh, Go Nintendo posts every... Like they're, like, they're, like, really, they're really well done. It's, not only that, but every week they put new phone-optimized, phone-size-optimized wallpapers mm. of their latest games and stuff and like random art you won't get anywhere else from Nintendo onto their line account but Go Nintendo does a really cool job of every week compiling them into a post so if you want new wallpapers um, I just search on Go Nintendo for line and it should this should all appear I assume but uh, what I was going to say about the Mitone thing that I find kind of weird like, so for me it makes sense as like a swap note replacement from what I've used it where I just kind of a silly little thing but the way Nintendo's marketing it's really interesting. They put out three trailers on the Nintendo Mobile YouTube channel. Uh, we've linked all three in the blog post if you're curious. There's, you know, that's where you find the timestamps and everything. But we put that there. And um, all three feature women talking to women. And all three are them having just a regular conversation. Like, hey, I'm so sorry if I like, ditched or I came late last time. Like, let's... I owe you one, but let's meet up at this time. We're like, oh, I have a secret crush on Da-da-da. It's like... I, one, they're, they're all targeted at women, which is kind of interesting, but, and there's nothing wrong with that, it's just kind of like, oh, they have a very specific demographic in mind with Mitomo all of a sudden, and, but two, who's going to be apologizing and saying lunch plans in an app where you have to send a me back and forth? I just don't see how that makes no, any sense. That's why I think the swap note thing makes more sense. Like, yeah. that's its purpose. It's more of a secondary communication, not your primary communication. But, but I guess it's harder to give examples in videos of like hey i'm trolling you with this me that's tap dancing or whatever versus let's make lunch plans just just a weird little thing i noticed but honestly i think some of the other stuff in the mitomo update is cool i think the sidekick me's are kind of a fun idea um it gives me more to do in mitomo because the i think ultimately the biggest problem with the app when i use it is there just isn't much to do if all your friends aren't answering questions constantly you deleted the app a lot of people i know stopped doing it so it's just like I go in and it's like, oh, cool. Here's an answer from, from April. 
<laughs> that's presenting me as new. Like I got one from you that I never saw before, and I was like, "Wait, you're back in?" And I, I like open it because I was gonna respond to you, and it's like April third. I'm like, "Well, I'm not gonna even touch this." It's like, why? Why should would I respond? Okay, fine. I'll go back and do it again if I see it. But um, yeah, because then if I ever log in, then I'll get. To yeah, see then it. in the, then in uh, 2017, you'll look back at April 2016, be like, "Oh, good times. Oh, Jason responded. Oh, better times or whatever." But but yeah, there's that that you could do, I guess, currently, and there's still like candy drop you could do, but there wasn't much else to do at that point. So the sidekick me's at least let you like invest time in creating these new wonky me's and new wonky characters with funny outfits, and that that I can see the appeal of. And then you can also share them to this new thing called Style Central. So there's now this like internet-wide section of Mitomo where you can go and plop in up to three characters a day in funny outfits as funny me's into Style Central, and it'll display them and it'll have trending ones, and you can like other people's styles. It's kind of like this back and forth where you could share your absurd characters, which that that makes sense. And I think... I think for Nintendo, it's ultimately about them making more money because you can download any out, any specific clothing from a specific me from the style central if you see it you can get it for real money and you can also download the me so you can literally recreate these things but you have to pay money to do it essentially so for nintendo that's probably more of a money thing but i think it also helps engagement a little which is good um along with style central there's also this new thing called answer central which is a basically a running slideshow of people's questions from around the world or answers to questions from around the world so before, like, they had the public question, and you could view some of the answers, that you could, or you could jump to Twitter to see other people's answers if they chose to tweet it. But now it's like, you press it, and it just does a slideshow, it shows their me, it shows their location, kind of, like, as a backdrop of different places, and then just their answer. You could just watch it go by and watch people say stupid things. But what's interesting about it to me is you can also respond to anyone in there. Any public question can now be publicly answered, meaning... Mitomo between Style Central and Answer Central has essentially gone from like, I guess the good comparison would be like it's transformed from, I don't know, like a group chat, like a private group chat into like a public Facebook group or forum or something. Like it went from your little close-knit group of friends into like this big wide open, it went from like a Facebook group to a Facebook page. Like you're in your private Facebook group with you and 10 other friends, you're making jokes, and you go to a Facebook page of people that have similar interests or answers or whatever and you're all maybe you're talking to one another but don't actually know each other so Mitomo went from a private thing to a public thing and that I think is almost a bigger more significant move than any of the PM stuff Nintendo's been promoting as the main feature because that can actually boost engagement that can actually get you to go look even if your friends aren't answering maybe if you like answering public questions and seeing what people say you can actually go have conversations with people in their chat logs or go like some outfits or whatever so it kind of it's kind of an interesting pivot for them. And it gets you to use your My Nintendo account, which is ultimately what Nintendo wants, because this thing's supposed to be the Trojan horse to get you in the... I have not even checked Nintendo. to see the rewards and stuff. Like, I thought it was going to be all over this kind of stuff, but no. Yeah, me neither. I'm really bad. I just started again a few days ago when I noticed I wasn't logged in on Nintendo.com. But, yeah, it's... Like, Mitomo was supposed to be the big Trojan horse, and then they just let it fall to the wayside. So there is no reason to check rewards, because, like, half of them are for Mitomo. But doing this sort of stuff, in theory, will at least get some people back in and some people engage more. So it, it, it's baby steps. I don't think it's all, I don't think it's going to do everything, but it, you know, it helps. It helps. It does. And I mean, I've been poking around the last few days of Meetup. I'm starting to use it again more. I'm not answering that many questions, but like they've cleaned up the UI in some nice ways. There's now instant access to notifications in the different centrals and all that. So that's kind of nice. But it uh, it's, it's very streamlined. But the question is, is it, you know, the new stuff is good. And the question is, is it enough still? 
or is it yet enough? And I, while I am using it more, I don't know if it's going to get me back every day. I mean, you even you even even re-download it after hearing this, but and I don't think today I say change your mind. I doubt it. It sounds cooler. It's not again. It's like one of those things that sounds cool. If I was still using it up to today, it would if anything it would make me. It would further cement my, like, all right, I'm still using it. I have more reason to keep using it. But right. it's not enough to get me to start using it again if I had already dropped it. Right. Like, I feel like because I still have it on my phone, it's not that hard for me to open it again and see. But if I didn't have it on my phone, I don't know. Especially if since they're marketing as the private messaging being the main thing. I don't know if that's enough to hook me. Like, I, if you're not on it and a bunch of people I know are still not on after this, the Q&A thing's still dead to me. I mean, granted, I can go post into the public answer pool. I mean, me just posting into the ether, that's basically what Twitter is. I post into the ether and hope someone somewhere is like, huh, that's cool, like, or whatever. Like, so it's not that different from my perspective, but it does lose something when its main hook is Q&A with friends or messaging with friends, and you can't do either. But the, the public side of it helps to boost that a little. So I think I think for me it's true to say if I'm actually going to keep doing it. Right now, I like poking around and seeing the new stuff because the new features are nice. And there's even little things like if you look at your feed of your friends, like instead of just showing their answers, they're chronological now, which is nice. But instead of just showing your, the answers, they'll also show a lot, like a fake live view of their me walking around their room. So you can see their latest me customization and room customization all just in your feed. So it's a lot quicker to look through things. It feels more like a social network in that regard. You don't have to like sit there and watch animations for 20 minutes. You can just get a feed of everything and see everything. So that's another plus. But again, if no one's doing it, there's nothing on my feed and there's no point. So too early to say, but I think it's the right direction for me, Tomo. The question is whether it will pay off. Hmm. That's not it, though, in terms of app updates. We also have Niantic making similar engagement boosts over in Pokemon Go. Uh, there's not as much to say about this one, but it, it really, they just need to make the Apple Watch app. That's all I need. If you do that, Niantic... I know it's already in the works, but if you do that, if you release it in the next couple of weeks, I will be back into Pokemon Go, and all these new engagement things you're doing are just going to be icing on the cake. Because they are doing some cool things with Pokemon Go engagement. Like, they had the Halloween thing, as I think a lot of us I mean, know. again, like, all the things, it's like bonuses for those who are already, already playing. It. Like, it doesn't give me a reason to. Like, the only thing that could get me to go back is just Pokemon. Like, Well, good news. Gold and Silver Pokemon are coming. They have found the right, disc. So the data, our data scalper friends that uh, couldn't find anything in Animal Crossing, they, uh, as we were saying earlier, they have found numbers already set up for all the next batch. They were added in the last update. All right, so, so they're rolling it out probably by the end of the so year. So I'm still two generations away from Pokemon that I care about. So you're caring about July 2017. Cool. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I mean, I I played Gold and Silver. Well, not when they came out, but I played Heart Golden. Soul Silver, and then I eventually played um, Ruby and Sapphire. But I don't know. I mean, I, while I enjoyed those games, none of the Pokemon kind of stuck with me. I mean, we watched a TV show back then, so it's not like right. yeah, like I, don't know. Right. I just like the first some of the first gen Pokemon a lot, and straight to fourth, especially because a lot of first gen Pokemon got evolutions in fourth gen, which just made the science cooler. But oh right, right, yeah. yeah I think I think I guess Weavile of... counts because Sneasel's a Gold and Silver Pokemon, but yeah, I like Weavile. But that's, yeah. I forgot they were related. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. They look kind of alike, but... Or, well, yeah, they're not really related, but they <laughs> visually are related. They're visually... One looks like the evolution of the other. Well, wait, that, that is the case. Yeah. Th- wait, so why'd you throw me off? Yeah. No, because I said, like, 
I like that. I forgot that they're kind of related, and then like they look kind of alike. And, oh no, no. What? Oh, they, yeah. They, I think you're yeah, like, no, they agree. just look they, kind they, of alike. Yeah, they like. Well, they, yeah, they do look kind of alike. You threw me in a loop. Oh, I'm just gonna blame everything I say wrong today on me being sick. It seems to have worked for the first hour of the podcast. I assume it could work for yeah, the was, second. Yeah, I was kind of confused. I was very confused. Um, but no, I was gonna say is that you make a really good point. Like, part of the reason I was able to get back into me. It's only a hundred Pokemon, also. What? I mean, it's only a hundred new Pokemon. From but still, it's some pretty iconic ones. So. Babies, you like the babies? No, but I like that sounded creepy. You like the babies? <laughs> no, but I like, I like Chikorita and I like uh, Cyndaquil and I like Totodile. That's just the starters. That's just for, <laughs> that's just for starters. Yeah, that's right. Still got it. Uh, no, but yeah, no, there's some cool Electabuzz. That's a baby. No, wait, what's you, the baby's you mean, name? You mean a kid? A kid. He looks like a power outlet. His head is a power outlet. Don't you just want to, like, shove him in a wall? No? That's funny, because that, that sounds like something that you would be like, oh, this Pokemon looks so stupid. His head is a power outlet. A power outlet. Dude, I like... <laughs> hold on. No. I have praised a dragon that looks like a grandpa, a eggplant... Th- a pile of coconut egg-shaped things that are taller than they should be for being great. Um, what else? What else alone forms have I liked? Uh, basically, I've... And I feel like you can't really compliment alone forms too much, because they're... Yeah. Build upon Pokemon that you kind of already may have already. And liked. so is Elekid. I mean, Elekid is Electabuzz with an outlet I mean, on his I head. Can, I mean, I can see you liking Elekid. Alone Executor just because you probably liked Normal Executor because oh, it's like a goofy looking tree. I mean, I could be. I could also have just that was the first one that came to mind. So I'm defending myself so I don't look like a fool. That's also a possibility, but I won't say which it is. I, I mean, the grandpa one I could give you. Yeah, no, I mean, he's not that ridiculous looking, but he, he kind of looks like a sensei. I mean, he looks like um. The the dog from Never Ending Story kind yes, of. Yes, he does. Oh my god, yes, he does. Yeah. You've said that before, I never realized. Yeah. What about the Palace Sand? Well, you see, that's <laughs> clever because Sand Trap, it's a word, it's a, it's a, it's a visual pun. I'm, I'm talking about the design. It's a Palace Sand, what's there to say? <laughs> exactly. Are you, comparing, are you comparing a small baby Electabuzz that has an outlet for a head with a Palace Sand? <laughs> Because one is literally just a pile of sand, and the other, someone actually had to draw an outlet on his head. So, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, but now, to, to, to go back to what I was trying to say before about Pokemon Go. I don't remember I, what we were talking about. I think you're right. I, I, I feel like I, I could say I'm hopped up on cold medicine. I don't know what your excuse is, but I think um, what I was going to say is, uh, with Pokemon Go, I think you're absolutely right that, like, it's about it's it's good for people that are there, but the nice thing is, at least in the, in these cases, I have Mewtwo on my phone still, so I'm getting back into that. I have Pokemon Go well, on I my mean, phone, still, so us, it's easy to get back into that. I mean, like, give us trading already, or yeah, some sort of like person versus person simplified battle that isn't like. I mean the the, the gym leader the gym leader stuff is fine, but I mean you're not always playing against a friend directly. Yeah, like we just need more friend interaction. I feel I, like, I feel no, like, I agree. I, I think feel like that's something would have been a shoe in by now. Yeah, like that's something that would get me to come back in. Some way to have a, some way to have like a team because right now you still like you could start Pokemon. Actually, they, they could have fixed this already. I don't know, but last I checked, um, you don't have like a slot for like oh here are your your favorite Pokemon, like, your six Pokemon. You, that you can want. have one that walks with you. Yeah, that's like you you don't have your go to Pokemon section. You have to go through your list and find your stars that you presumably starred. You can sort by starred. Yeah, that's right, but... But then I'll just put the starred ones on top, because it's soaring by stars. <laughs> it's yeah. been there from day one, I think. 
But no, I, I get your point. I, I just wanted to be a like stuff more... on Friends also. That's some of the stuff we're talking about now. We've been asking since day. Since literally, we had an episode where it's like Pokemon Go is here. Here's what they need to fix, and they still haven't done half of it. But to their credit, they are doing more. Like so, they had the Halloween event, right? Where they double you psychic and ghost types are a lot easier to get, and as a result, and um, also they double candy because get Halloween. Uh, and that, according to an interview I was reading, that raised international use of Pokemon Go by 13%. Player rate went up 13%. Here in the U.S., it went up 19% by a fifth. So it's clearly working. So now they're trying to do more like that, and that's kind of what the new updates are. They're doing a lot of, like, they're doing a lot of daily bonuses now. So when you catch a first Pokemon of the day, you get more XP and more Stardust. And then if you do that for seven consecutive days, you get even more XP and more Stardust. Is there a turkey and, Pokemon? I don't know why. Like, I'm no, but its name should be Turducken when it happens. <laughs> It'll literally look like a... Yep, yep. But but yeah, so like you get the Stardust and the um, and the XP boost. If you go to Pokestops, you now get way more items the first time you visit a Pokestop for the day. You get like 20 items instead of the old three or four. You uh, get experience, more experience for more Pokestops you visit. And more importantly, they've done stuff like if you catch a lot of the same Pokemon. I think we talked about this one before. But if you catch a lot of the same Pokemon type, so if I get a bunch of grass Pokemon... It'll start showing me rarer Pokemon. So this whole old rarer grass type. So this whole old thing of you keep always seeing Rattatas or you keep always seeing Pidgeys is starting to decrease. And then the last week they actually did a special promo where there's just more Pokemon in general. So I opened the app and it used to be like, oh yeah, one or two Pokemon. Okay, there are like seven that all popped up around me. And they were rare, not rare. There's like a Magmar, a Taurus, and like a Diglett and the Sparrows or Spearows. So, you know, it's... It's a mix, but the thing is they're actually encouraging you to play daily, which is something they never did before. They were just like, people will just do the rote repetition and it'll be fine. And that's when the player usage started to go down. And now they're giving you reasons to come back every day. That's something Mitomo's actually doing too. With the still new no app. Ditto, no, no legendary, no legendaries, no. But that's, but that's something Mitomo's doing too. I don't know, obviously saying. that's something they have to milk because... Yeah. Yeah, once they're up there, then that's it. Yeah, I mean, Mitomo, to start with this for a third time, <laughs> no, just Mitomo, they're actually, I forgot much this before, but I think it's really cool that Nintendo's doing this. Um, the more you use the new features, the more new wallpapers and floors you get that are themed around Nintendo. They have a Breath of the Wild one, they have a Mario old, like, old School 8 bit one, they have a Metroid Zero Mission one, they have Splatoon one, so this idea, which they're totally just borrowing from existing apps, obviously, that encouraging daily usage will actually get people to use it more if they already have it. This is not going to win back you. It's not going to win back real Timmy who deleted all the apps, but it will win back me and the people with 256 gig iPhones who have the room for to keep these apps and they'll actually start doing it again. I have opened Pokemon more in the last week than I have in the last two months, probably, so... Or last, like, six weeks, but... Yeah, so it kind of works, and it, it kind of... This whole situation perfectly lines up with what we're saying about Animal Crossing, because... Neither of us have Animal Crossing readily available on our devices. Neither of us are just like, yeah, I'll just pop back in. It's fine. And thus, neither of us are getting the Welcome Amiibo update. They at least aren't rushing to get it. Yet, one of us does have easy access to Pokemon Amitomo, and as such, one of us is now back poking around in Pokemon Amitomo. So it is. it really is just a matter of convenience on top of the pull of whatever the feature is. And the pull maybe isn't strong enough for any of these for someone to actually go through the motion of going out and grabbing the thing, be it the cartridge from your bag or the app from the app store or whatever it may be. But if it's there in front of you, sure, why not? They just need something to get you past the sure, why not, and into the yes, I will go through the motions of actually getting this. And that's kind of where they're stuck, I guess. With all of these. Yeah. 
But but yeah, nonetheless, it's kind of you know they're they're making they're making strides. I think it's I also think it's definitely product, really product. good incentive. I mean, I get the version. I forgot about that whole third category of people that just never had it to begin with. Yeah, and this is a good time to jump in. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nintendo's been saying so in their financial. I mean, uh, although they're hard to hard to believe that there are some of those people. I mean, yeah, five hundred million people downloaded Pokemon Go. So, but so there's it's a lot of people, but the world is six. Or seven billion. So. Well, I mean, how many of those even have access to smartphones? Well, we did. The, yeah, that's true. Probably about half, I think, is what I read somewhere, or a third. I don't know. Um, hey, but they still haven't launched in major countries like China, or China. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that sounds like the one that matters. China's the big one. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, Nintendo is expecting. Obviously, they're not Niantic, and they're not the ones doing it directly. But in their financial Q and A, Nintendo is saying that they expect Pokemon Go to be a long term thing. This is not a flash in the pan. They are anticipating that this is going to go for a while. So all these little tweaks they're doing ultimately are going to build a bigger, better product. So when they do launch, launch in China or whatever, or they do go after people I've never played, that's a whole new revenue stream. Because what, what Kimishima was saying specifically in the briefing is that uh, they know there's updates coming. They're hoping it'll encourage fans to keep playing. And then here's the part that matters. These profits should not be seen as temporary inflation due to the initial release of the application. He was talking about that Nintendo got a 10 billion, I believe, yen boost from Pokemon Go and its Halo effect. Pokemon across the board went up. We talked about before how the old games started selling better on, D- on 3DS and how the virtual console games started selling better and all that. And all the merchandise and all the licensing and all of that. And all that came out of Pokemon Go. Um, and he's saying expect a higher level of profit for Pokemon for the foreseeable future. Or not even for foreseeable future, just expect a higher level of profit for Pokemon. This is... They were saying in interviews in Niantic that they're viewing this like MMO, and uh, wow, I just tripped my <laughs> word, MMO, like a World of Warcraft situation where we're talking years. They have years of stuff planned out. This is not going away anytime soon. So yeah, maybe not everyone's going to jump back in, but they can keep a healthy revenue with the people that are there. It is still one of the top grossing apps on the App Store. So they can keep that up, and then they put it in China, and then they get some new people to come in, and some old people to come back. It can be quite healthy. It's not going to be... The phenomenon will be more than a fad. So, mm-hmm. so there's hope. And uh, what's actually kind of interesting is Nintendo sees Pokemon Go not just as a profit source, but as a model for Super Mario Run and how that's going to do. Which is some other, which is another thing that Kimishima said in that same Q and A. He was uh, he was saying that one reason Mario Run is suddenly now releasing this year before Fire Emblem, before Animal Crossing, instead of next year after them as originally planned, is because here's a direct quote. We saw how well-received Pokemon Go was, and determined that it would be best to release a Mario-related title ahead of the other titles. In the past, it was not entirely clear what kind of impact the smart device business would have on our existing business, so we were pleased to see that Pokemon Go generates the kind of synergetic effect on packaged software that we expected. In other words, not that I really need to translate that, but in other words, whoa, Pokemon Go boosted everything for us. Why don't we put our biggest IP on the planet out? For the holidays and get that boost for the holidays with Mario. I think that's kind of what he was saying. And it also helped that development of Mario was actually ahead of schedule somewhere or was far enough along that they could bump up the release. And I suspect that was partly possible because the um, game is actually not using a Nintendo engine that they had to port to iOS or Android. It is using Unity. Mario's being built on the same Unity that so many Nindies are built on that Mitomo, it turns out, is built on. And that frees up um, a lot of dev time. Because, I mean, 
if you had to build it for iOS and then port it to Android, that'd be one thing. But if you have a platform that runs on iOS and Android, like Unity, you just plop the game in and it goes. Piece of cake. Also, that lines up very nicely with that rumor we've talked about before that uh, Nintendo smartphone games may work on the Switch. Because you know what the Switch supports? Unity. So if it can run on iPhone, if it can run on Android, nothing's stopping it from running on the Switch. And if apparently all Nintendo smartphone games are running Unity, Mitomo is, Mario Run is, Kimishima made a comment about how they're like working on a smartphone, like a better smartphone. That's funny. I could based. see myself playing Mitomo more on, on the, the Switch. Switch at home. Why, as a, why is that? As a home-based game than an on-the-go game. Why would that be? I guess partly because of how we were discussing the messaging app and how mm-hmm. like. I don't really see it like like I'm not gonna check a method a type of method like that like on the go. Like usually I guess I'm just thinking about when did I use swap note the most and that was just when I was just relaxing at home, lying down somewhere. Right. And Mitomo from what I've played and from what I've been hearing of these updates, just seems like that kinda of, again I love myself most to like just lying down on the bed, checking some updates, sending some yeah. messages and then being done and then that's it. Because honestly that's when I check Mitomo is Cause I like to late like late at night sitting on the couch. Also I find it more gratifying to like instead of checking method like notifications as they as they're coming in for games like this, yeah, I'd rather like leave it alone for a couple hours, like come back at the end of the day and then answer them and reply to them in bulk, right? Instead of like thinking like oh there's like oh there's one there's another, right, right, yeah. No, there's nothing except for like that's how I am with like Instagram, Snapchat, Mitomo. I'll check like Twitter. I'm on constantly. That's like where no matter what I'm doing, where where I am, I'm on Twitter, but. Snapchat, Instagram, Mitomo, it is kind of one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, when I'm at home on the couch sitting, I will check those. And like one false, one like false swoop for the whole day. So your, your, your con actually makes a lot of sense to me. But you could, in theory, also do that on your smartphone currently. I could, but... But they still have the notifications. Yeah, but, but, the, but the thing the is, like, yeah. it's just that, that mental barrier where when I look at my phone, when I see my phone, I don't... I don't see it as a device to use for leisure most of the time. Right. Oh, like, I do. I totally I'm, do. Yeah, like, I mean, it can, I, I don't know, yeah, I just, there's just that block. Like, I mean, if I'm lying down, like, I'm just going to grab my 3DS instead. Yeah. Like, I'm never going to pick my my iPhone over the 3DS unless I'm going to watch, I don't know, something online. That's right, because if I watch stuff online, if I'm at home, I usually like to use a laptop or a bigger Oh, screen. well, that's, I mean, before when I had my iPad, I would use that all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would watch videos on there, like, constantly, but now that I don't have it... Right. It's always the 3ds now, like which is why, <coughs> like I'm actually currently going through um um Mario Luigi Paper Jam. Like, oh, oh yeah, you said you're. I remember you telling me you're going back to that. Yeah, like I'm about like halfway through the game now, and I've had just more time to play 3ds games lately, like right before I go to bed. Right. So I don't know it's kind of nice to like catching up with games. Like I got to be Mario Luigi's Dream Team. Now I'm working through this. I already be Eighth Attorney. So. Right. Nice. Right. So okay, so Nintendo, if you're listening, make your room, make that rumor about uh, smartphone games coming to the Switch, make it true. So then I have someone to message in Mitomo, and so I have someone go, to no. compete with in Mario Run. And I have something to. Re- well, I mean, I'll play Mario Run. Yeah, I know. I know. But yeah, then definitely respond to that April message if you. Yeah, it, well, I have to find it again and leave a comment, but. Yeah, but but to back up to another point of what Kimishima said, I don't know if anyone knows when I was reading that quote. He said it would be quote best. To release a Mario title ahead of the others. Uh, as surface level, I think this obviously makes sense because Mario's a base IP, so why wouldn't they? 
But if we want to dive into conspiracy theories briefly, I have a deep. I think there's a deeper message there than what than just that, and that is uh, it might tie into Mario on Switch. So, according to Emily Rogers on Twitter, who, as many of you know, correctly reported a ton of Switch information before it was announced, essentially verifying that yes, her sources are good. Uh, she is saying that the new Mario game for Switch is coming along a lot faster than people think. In fact, it has basically been done for the past past three to four months, and there, she thinks there's a better chance it will be a launch title than Breath of the Wild. Now, Breath of the Wild felt like a shoo-in to me. I still think Breath of the Wild will be a launch title, but it sounds like Mario's further along in development than Breath of the Wild, which is kind of crazy, considering we know nothing about Mario and so much about Zelda. Well, I mean, when they want to keep a secret, they can really yeah, keep really a secret. Yeah, really good at it, yeah. But the, the point, though, is that Mario Run would prime the pump for Mario's Switch literally the same way that Pokemon Go primed the pump for Pokemon Sun and Moon. Like, he, like identical. So a December release would put Mario Run four months ahead of Mario's Switch. Pokemon Go came out four months ahead of Pokemon Sun and Moon. Pokemon Sun and Moon has gone on to be the most pre-purchased Nintendo game ever, has a ton of hype, constantly is trying on Twitter whenever new Pokemon is revealed, etc., etc. The halo effect of Pokemon Go didn't just extend to current games, it boosted interest in Sun and Moon pretty significantly. Most downloaded eShop game demo ever, 3.5 million. And as as of a month ago, or three weeks ago, or, yeah, three weeks ago. So... If we want to dive a little deeper here and go into the conspiracy theories, when he, when Kimishima was saying that Pokemon Go is their model and the best time to release Mario Run might be this year, not next year, he could have literally meant, like, our model is this hap- this exact four-month period happened with Pokemon Go and here's how it benefited our home con- or our uh, handheld release. So if we do that with Mario, here's how it better our, or benefit our home console game release. Potentially. In theory. If the rumors are true. It all does line up very nicely for that to be the case. So, I mean, that's that's definitely like a we'll-see-what-happens situation. But I wouldn't mind if Mario Run meant that Mario Switch was coming out in March. It'd be nice. And also, it would prime the pump, because some analysts are expecting Mario Run to download, be downloaded between 50 and 100 million times in its first month alone. So that's a lot of people that may be looking at Switches, and a lot of people that may be looking at Mario on Switch. And a lot of people that Nintendo needs to sell to, which means they're going to have crazy shortages, which means, oh my god, it's going to be the worst thing ever. Nintendo, do not release Mario at launch. I just realized how bad that would be. They want to sell 2 million... They've said, they've gone on record that they're they're anticipating 2 million Switches being available before the end of the fiscal year for purchase. That means 2 million in about 3, 4, 2, 1 weeks, who knows, but in the month of March. Hopefully... Hopefully all these people that play Mario Run are not suddenly going to be like, oh sweet, I need to get a Switch and create the current crazy shortages we're seeing with like the NES classic but who knows for Nintendo it would make financial sense to do it this way hmm. and that's my conspiracy theory I like to throw in, throw in a theory every so often that's this one but while we're talking about the Switch uh, it sounds like third parties are actually stepping up pretty significantly to the Switch this time around um, we talked last episode about how many have already committed and how it's more than we've seen before and now we're getting some more hints of what's to come and some new supporters uh, any can- Supporters that weren't kind of a shoe in or weren't well, there's some that you would think would have been there, but then weren't on the list. And Kimishima actually mentioned that there's more part third party publishers now interested in the Switch after the video came out than there were before, which is kind of nice. But uh, the current best example, to your point, I think, is uh, Level Five. Somehow, Level Five was not on that list. 
they support Nintendo through thick and thin from DS on. And, you know, they, they're Professor Layton, they're Yokai Watch, they're uh, over in Japan and Europe in Azuma 11. They're a pretty big developer, and they no one heard anything if they're coming to Switch. And then their CEO said in an interview recently that they are making games for the Switch, or they're planning to, but they don't know how to, quote, get the most out of the console. Mm. So as such, they don't have any titles at launch. <laughs> it doesn't have a touchscreen, oh my but, god. Wait, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, might, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that could be it. But yeah, at, at, so at launch they have nothing. But they might try and do it soon because they'll, quote, work with it as soon as we figure out how to take advantage of it. Now, to me, what that kind of sounds like, it, it's a valid point, is Level 5's Nintendo support has all been handheld stuff. And it's made, it's catered to handhelds. Look at Professor Layton. Look at look at Yokai Watch. Like, you, can you release a game that looks like Yokai Watch, that kind of, like, old-school RPG, like, polygonal, but old-school RPG on the Switch next to, say... Oblivion or like Elder Scrolls or like a Call of Duty or something and would that se- like I, I mean, mean you can different on, you but, can you can do anything look yeah. at the Skunk Bundle you can do anything but like would that look bad for level 5 are they concerned that they're primarily handheld games now have to be like console grade is that an actual concern to have like I don't know like I really don't know because we're not used to having a system that can do both you know what I mean like PS1 they had like the super like at the time, impressive graphics, and they had the more chibi little things, but the, the, the super impressive graphics topped out at So do you think we'll have, like, games down the road where, kind of how you get games with the warning that says, for best experience, use a headphone. So you think they'll say, for, for best, best experience, experience, play... Away as, from a TV. Yeah, treat as a handheld game. I get Or, but it's or just, treat as a, a console game. It's, it's weird, because, like, I, I... That would actually be very funny. But it's weird, because, like, I guess indie games are the one thing where this bridge... That bridges the two. Like, you could play an indie game on your TV that looks like the same as what a Game Boy Advance game would look like, and you're like, okay, cool. But is there some sort of imaginary threshold people have or imaginary wall people hit if they're, like, going to buy a $50 game on a Switch cartridge and it is Professor Layton and looks like it's, like, a 2D flat hand-drawn thing? And then, well, no, Professor Layton would be okay, actually, because it's the art style. It's an art choice. But if you saw, like, your Kai Watch, and you're like, oh, this looks great next to its, like... Equivalents oh. on 3DS, but if you put it next to something on Switch, like do, do they have to invest triple the money into your Kai Watch? Look at Minecraft. Yeah, but that's also that's a style choice. I guess you could argue it's a style choice, but I you just have to invest a lot more into maybe Minecraft upends my whole point. Maybe that's the answer to my question. Like I'm just wondering what level five means by take advantage of, unless they mean like how do we best leverage our IPs on it? Because I mean, as a system, it's pretty clear how to take advantage of it. It has buttons. It has a screen. You make games that use a button and a screen, or you use the rumored touchscreen, or you use the rumored pointer. Done. Like it has all the inputs you need. But if he's saying this, I mean, it feels to me like he means like, how do our handheld first games make sense on a thing that works on your TV too? And Level Five does make some high-end, expensive, fancy RPGs on like PS3. They had Watchmen on PS3 that looked really gorgeous. Ni Ni Kuni. Oh, Ni no Kuni. That. Didn't but, we also like, get a 3DS version? It did. It did. So, like, that, they do it, but, like, how you take something like Yokai or Inazuma 11 and make it make sense for a console? Hmm. That's, I think that's his question, and it, I, I don't really have an answer. Maybe, maybe Minecraft is the answer. Or maybe he can, uh, maybe he can look towards Capcom, because Capcom, well, Capcom's funny, because Capcom has both. Both what? There, both has the level five dilemma and the opposite level five dilemma. So Capcom's always proving level five's fear, if that is what the fear is, because Capcom has gone record. We talked about this a little before about like how they might bring Monster Hunter back to consoles, 
which would mean switch, but also they've gone on record in their own financial Q&A saying that uh, they're, quote, carrying out research to see if it makes sense to bring PS4 and Xbox One games to the Switch. Is it affordable enough to do the transition? Is it worth their time and energy? All that. So... If level five's concerned their game if level five, if what they're getting at is that their games look too handheld, how is that gonna work if Capcom you know, if they're like, Well whatever, we'll just make handheld games on the Switch and then Capcom shows up with like Deep Down or something that looks graphically insane and is like the fanciest thing ever and then oh, wait, we're next to these guys now, what do we do? Like mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a weird predicament to be in. But on the flip side if they're also trying to move Monster Hunter from... This is where it's like, it might make sense for Level 5 to look at them. They're trying to take Monster Hunter back to consoles. Maybe Level 5 can get some tips on how to do that, specifically from that, from that transition. I don't know. It's, it's so, a weird... They'll figure something out. The whole hybrid thing is a weird situation because, like, we all have talked about... Like, everyone has talked about, oh, yeah, hand, console to handheld, that makes sense. But handheld to console makes significantly less immediate sense, I feel mm. like. So, time will tell. Separately... There's another third party of note that's making games for the Switch, and that is Tantalus. The reason Tantalus is a name note is because they made Twilight Princess HD for Nintendo on the Wii U. And they have gone on record saying that they are making, currently developing something for the Switch. We can probably expect something similar. Their CEO uh, was saying in an interview that they've been working on the Switch release for some time. That's a direct quote. And that, uh... Well, they haven't announced it yet, and it hasn't been teased anywhere yet or shown anywhere yet. In other words, it's not the Mario Kart port. It's not the Splatoon port. He said that uh, Nintendo fans should take a look through their back catalog and then suggest things on Tantalus's Facebook page. And they have a very close relationship with Nintendo. So my guess is they are porting over something for Nintendo to the Switch. And if it's not Kart, it's not Splatoon, because it hasn't been shown yet, that leaves Smash or something we just don't know yet. Some other game. Well, being surprised is always fun. It is. I wouldn't mind if they did Tropical Freeze. We were talking about how it's one of the better Donkey Kong countries. It makes sense. It's a pretty straightforward thing to port. They just up-res everything. Great for business, but... Oh, not good for us. I'm I know, sure. yeah. yeah. Especially considering um, almost and I 100% of that game. Oh, there's like yeah. literally like... Not only did you 100%, the, but we have a vid bit of you beating it. The, there's no amount of bonus level they could add that would make me want to buy it again because of how thoroughly yeah. we scrubbed that game. So maybe it won't be that. The one game I would love to see come to Switch that I don't think they're going to do, but I guess they could, is uh, there's a new Cruisin' game in arcades next year. Do you oh, know? that's all I've heard. So, yes. So it's called Cruisin' Blast. Just a little backstory here. I am kind of a sucker for arcade-style racing games. That's why I liked Excite Truck so much and Excite Bot so much back in the Wii days. And as a kid, I used to obsess over Rush 2 on Nintendo 64. And whenever I would go to my local arcade of Cyber Station, which, by the way, if you didn't know, Cyber Station is actually Namco's arcade chain. So we had, like, a mm. Namco arcade back in my uh, Montana days. Mm. But whenever I used to go there, I'd always play the cruising games. Cruising USA, Cruising World, the best of the bunch, Cruising Exotica, which was, like, the GameCube era version of Cruising, I guess. Um... Yeah, so I played those a lot, so it's kind of cool to see that they're now making Cruisin' Blast, which is this new one. And the, th- the thing about Cruisin', it was actually partially a Nintendo franchise. Nintendo published World uh, Cruisin' USA and Cruisin' World. It's co-owned by Nintendo and Midway, or it was, until Midway dissolved into WB Games. And I believe Nintendo actually owns the rights to the Cruisin' name and publishing and all that. 
So Cruise and Blast, which is now being made by Roth Drills, which are the guys at the Fast and Furious arcade game and the Hydro Thunder remake and all that, um, they're making it. Nintendo's giving them the license. This could very, very, very easily be a Pokémon situation. There's no reason that Pokémon tournament could go from arcade to Wii U, that Cruise and Blast, where again, Nintendo owns the rights and then gives the license. There's no reason that Cruise and Blast can't go from arcade to Switch. It's a good filler game. Obviously, they need to add some modes and stuff, but it's a good filler game, and Cruisin's awesome, and it'd be a cool throwback to, like, 90s nostalgia, which is so in right now, Nintendo. And you know who did a good job of possibly porting it over? The guys whose entire career is comprised of porting things over. Tantalus. Hmm. I don't think they're working on Cruisin' Blast. This is a pipe dream, not an actual thing, but it would line up nice enough, and I would be 100% in favor of this. So if you're out there, Roth Rolls, Nintendo, Tantalus... Or just some dude who somehow has a dog in this somehow. Uh, please make Cruise and Blast for Switch. Thank you kindly for your time. <laughs> no, but seriously, like it would be so perfect. It'd be the Excite Truck of the Switch launch. It has the same like crazy stunts and stuff now. Like you do like corkscrews through the air as you're racing. I need to play this game. Blast. Yeah. Or just cruising in general. Well, I do kind of miss playing Cruise in USA. Cruise is so fun. I mean, I never got to play World, but I did get to play a lot of Cruise in USA. Cruise in Zaka is the best. I think it's it came with our N64. Oh, it was really? given to us. Like, imagine, just think about the nostalgia. Like, it sells itself. It, the nostalgia sells itself. We are in the literal 90s renaissance right now. Just make it happen, Nintendo. Make it happen. Um, but yeah, to, to, before we get, we're almost out of news, but before we get to my impressions of Paper Mario, Color Splash, and the end of the show, I did want to take a step back, and this is going to be a lame transition, but I'm doing it anyway. We have talked over the last one hour and 36 minutes about every single Nintendo platform that is of current importance to the company. Wii U, 3DS, mobile, Switch. So it would be incomplete if we did not also cover the NES Classic Edition. Oh boy. Yeah. So... Here we, actually, you know, that transition was not as bad as I thought it would be. That was pretty smooth. I just ruined it by talking about how smooth it is, but that was, <laughs> that was pretty smooth. Um, but yeah, so for, uh, for those of you who haven't been paying attention, DNS Classic Edition is... A hit? You know what it is? It's the insert every Nintendo product ever shortage all over again. It's, we've seen it with the Wii. We've seen it with Amiibo. We've seen it with GameCube controller adapters for the Wii U. We saw it, like, we see it time and time again. You name it, Nintendo had a shortage for it. Except the Wii U, I guess. And, uh, and now here we are again. And it's the NES Classics time to shine or be Hmm. attacked or whatever. I was lucky enough to get, to get my NES Classic Thursday night. They went up, so so Target had their site broken, and it showed it as available to add to your cart, starting at uh, like 10 p.m. on Thursday night Pacific time. So I had it on my computer, and I had my phone, and I was refreshed, adding it to cart like crazy. I kept getting to the payment page, I could enter the payment, and then I'd hit submit, and it would just stop working. It would just take me back to the cart and say I never got anything. I just kept doing this for half an hour, and then on whim, I'm like, I should see if Best Buy has it up. So I go Best Buy, and I happen to go within, like, I guess 30 seconds, and I'm posting it or something. So I got it, and I was done within, like, 30 seconds. And that mm-hmm. was it. After waiting half an hour on Target and hammering buttons like crazy, I got it with no effort at all at Best Buy, and then six minutes later, it sold out from Best Buy. And thank you, thank you. It was truly a crowning achievement in my life. And, um, and in the time since, it's been selling out everywhere i know multiple people who can't find one or get one some stores only got six to twelve units on friday and are gone 
Uh, Amazon literally broke at 2 p.m. when people went to go get it. So 2 p.m. Friday, Amazon announced they're going to sell it at that time. And then it just, like, the site broke. You go to the NES Classic page. You add to the cart. doesn't add to the cart. You, go, you hit refresh, and the page comes back with an oops error. I've never seen that before. It was The entire Amazon layout was gone. It just said, oops, we have a problem with this page. It had an Amazon logo. It is bizarre. So that's happening. Toys R Us has announced that nationwide they're completely sold out of NES Classics, so much so that they've taken it off their website until they get more. Wow. Like, it's a it's a big frenzy, very similar to things we've seen before. I mean, they're going on eBay for upwards of $1,000, if not over $1,000. But 16, are they selling for that amount? No, they're selling for only $500. Mm-hmm. That's so ridiculous. Yes. But, yeah. It is um, nine times the price of the system is what it's selling for. Yeah. That this this is like Nintendo has mastered the art of these shortages. It's madness, and like I think we kind of I think everyone kind of expected it because there are no pre-orders. So it, it sounds of, like they were quick to like respond to it. And they never, were they were on Twitter by Friday afternoon. Or acknowledge it. They were on Twitter by Friday like late morning saying, "Hey, yes, we know there are shortages. We're working to pump them out. We're going to sell them throughout the holidays and into next year. We'll have new waves of shipments." So they're working on it. But nonetheless, the frustration of all this caused it to trend on Twitter all Friday afternoon. Like, I looked at the NES Classic trending. It was right around the time Amazon crashed. And people were just, like, very upset that they couldn't get these classics. And it it did, I mean, to Nintendo's credit, it led to buzz. It led to coverage. Mainstream media was covering it. All PR is good PR. So if it's, if it's someone freaking out that they can't get the hot new item for the mm-hmm. holidays... That's good for Nintendo because then more people are suddenly interested in the item. Like, I'm obviously a bit jaded from the past shortages. The Wii, the Mi- Amiibo, everything. But this this one in particular seems extra superficial to me. This one kind of feels like Nintendo's using it as literally just the marketing tool and is not actually having problems. And the only reason I say that is because in July, when they announced this thing in July, it went viral. It was everywhere. Nintendo knew in July this thing was going to be popular. It's only $60. It, everyone was talking about it. Every major site was covering it. And yet, here we are in September, and it's still hard to come by. The The NES Classic is literally a single chip running minutes. Linux, running an <laughs> emulator, running 30 ROMs. That is all it is. There's no hard component. It's not like the Wii Shorts. It's like, oh, they overstocked and been fine. What? Uh, yeah, they could have. Either. I don't even think they overstocked. I think they purposely understocked. Oh, no, that's right. They yeah. could have. Yeah, yeah, they could have overstocked. They could have stocked. Like they could have done a better job of gauging the interest, but they chose to understock. And there's no reason besides Nintendo being a very conservative company and liking charges for marketing. There's no reason in my mind why this thing would be hard to come by. Like I would not be surprised if on Black Friday they're everywhere. If this was just like a two week thing to build a pipe for Black Friday. But it kind of sucks. If I'm again, I'm a little jaded. It could be a real shortage. Who knows? Maybe, maybe there's a plastic component shortage we don't know about. I don't know. But it just seems like it seems like Nintendo would figure this out by now. Two years ago, they had Amiibo, had an issue with Amiibo. With the Wii, it took them three years to properly sort out their shortages. How is it that after both these instances, there's still a shortage unless it's an official shortage? Old habits die hard. I guess so. I guess so. But then on the other hand, like, you look at, you know, you look at the Classic NES, you get the Classic NES, you play the games, and I guess all the the frustration pays off. I guess being a Nintendo fan is hard work, but I guess at the end of the day, it kind of pays off. Because, like, you know, you, you're not, not everything Nintendo puts out is great. Uh-oh. But 
I'm not calling you a huge fan. I'm just saying I think that puts out great, but more often than not, they do have charm, and even if it's not the best thing ever, it is still good, and they're fun, and you can overlook the hassle you went through. The bad outweighs is outweighed by the good significantly, and I think a good example of that as of late. This is all just a build up to a transition. I think a good example as Paper Mario that, as of that is Paper Mario Car Splash. You almost got me a sick color stash, which is not what it's <laughs> called. But yeah, I think because. I, even the NES Classic, like, so there's all this frustration now, but when you have it, you be like, this is cool. And you find you find things to like about it, because there are things to like about it. I think with Car Splash, there's a lot of frustration going into it for different reasons, but then you play it, and the game is still pretty charming. It is still pretty neat for what it is. Like, it's not the best thing they've ever done, but... It is nice to, it is nice to have a Paper Mario on a console. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Let that paper aesthetic really shine exactly. on the Wii U. And Paper Mario's been such a weird franchise, if you think about it, like, to follow. So... The first one was a straight-up RPG, right? Like, that is Paper Mario, the RPG. Then the second one, Thousand Year Door, took was it up to basically... 11. What? It was pretty much yeah, that same RPG, but took it up, like... Yeah, it was, like, the fully realized version yeah. of Paper Mario. Then came Super Paper Mario, where it was, like, they made a platformer, and they're like, well, if you take the paper world and add a Z-axis, what happens? And that was that. And then people were like, oh, they'll go back to the RPG. But they didn't quite go back to the RPG, because then they did Sticker Star... Which was like RPG diet RPG, RPG light, yeah. kind of. Except not even because the battles didn't really signify anything. And then that got mixed reviews. Although I did like it, to be fair. To anyone listening to the impression that I gave about Color Star, I did like Sticker Star for what it was, or Color Splash. I did like Sticker Star for what it was. So if you hated Sticker Star, I don't think these impressions of Color Splash are going to go very no, far. I mean, I could, but, I could vouch for that game too. Like, I enjoyed playing that game like all the way through, but it was. Just not what you expected from what you would have. What we were taught a Paper Mario game was at that point. Yeah. Even with Super Paper Mario, you were you, you, right exactly yeah. because they, and they build it more like an RPG, and that kind of threw things off. But now the reason I gave this whole history to us is now we have Color Splash, which is basically the Thousand Year Door of Sticker Star. Like it takes what they did in the initial one, and they cleaned up what didn't work, and they mm. built it out, and they made it more. They made it more um, visually interesting, and it's literally like. The Thousand Year yeah. Door of Sticker Star. That's cool. I like that description. Thank you. So I, I would say I worked hard on it, but I didn't really. Um, you should be so, really proud of that one. Th- I'm so proud. It was better than any transition I've given this episode, that's for <laughs> sure. But, um, but yeah, it is basically the Thousand Year Door of Sticker Star. And they, they, you know, they built on top of it. They kept what worked. They tweaked what didn't work. They changed some things. And if you, if you didn't like Sticker Star at all, you're not going to like Color, Star, or Color Splash for basically the same reason. But if you enjoyed Sticker Star, yet had admitted it had flaws, or you were willing to overlook some of the battle mechanics and whatnot, Color Splash addresses that in good ways, and I think you might actually like it because of it. So, the basic structure of Color Splash is identical to Sticker Star, and that instead of an open RPG world, the game's divided into individual worlds, individual levels, it's like a traditional Mario game, kind of. And as you go through the level, you need to hit your hammer on pretty much everything in the game. Sticker Star had you do that to knock down things to find stickers. In this one, you'll hit colorful objects to get globs of paint. And then those globs of paint, you use a different hammer to fill in uh, splotches of paintlessness in the world. And when you fill in those splotches, then stuff shoots out. Coins, battle, uh, battle cards, that sort of thing. So you want to do that as much as possible because the more paint you slap down the more coins and battle cards again you need battle cards to uh battle as the name <laughs> implies so uh similar to i guess similar to the sticker system in sticker star actually you got these battle cards in color splash where um 
you get one move per battle card, you lay down the battle card, it does the move, and once the move is used, the card is gone, it disappears off your list, it's, it's forever gone. It's just done. Somewhat annoyingly, if you lay down, say, three or four cards during the course of a battle, and you only need two of them, like one, one attack kills both enemies somehow, you don't get the cards back that you didn't use. Once they're dealt into the battle, they are gone regardless. So you actually can lose cards and I've been using cards, which is kind so of... So it's kind of like sticker start in that sense. Yeah, yeah, that part's identical. Like the, the mechanic of like sticker and card, like that thing's the same. But the, um, the cards... What was I going to say? Yeah, that thing is basically the same. And the other thing that's kind of the same is the cards a lot like stickers are hidden all around every nook and cranny of the world. But instead of just finding them directly, you are finding things that need to be painted. So sometimes you have to hammer down a plant, and behind the plant you see an unpainted spot, and then you paint the spot, and then you get a card out of it, or that sort of thing. Which isn't horrible, but it um, it does sort of seem like you have to look at everything, but for some reason it just doesn't feel as annoying as in Sticker Star. Because in Sticker Star, you had no indication of where a sticker could be. You literally had to touch everything. Like, everything you had to check. Yeah. Or hammer. I mean, albeit the... The segmentation of the levels definitely helped in that aspect because yeah. it wasn't Which a giant overworld. But yeah, but the the thing is that in um, Color Splash, because you're doing the whole paint listing, like really the only place you're going to find the cards is where there's no paint. And while sometimes the paint, the non-painted areas will be hidden behind something, more often than not, they are totally clear as day. So that whole like hassle of actually having to go find every single sticker is non-existent with at least when in my experience with Color Splash. You hit a spot, the paint's filled in, you get some cards, you move on. If you miss a few spots, no big deal. There's no hidden sticker behind a bush that is somehow rel- that you somehow need to get in order to beat this one fight a few feet, you know, a few feet down the road, and you don't know where the sticker is. That doesn't happen with Color Splash. The the most critical That's cards, yeah, the most critical cards, like the thing, ob- the objects, the thing cards, mm-hmm. which are like the thing stickers and the old one, the 3D objects. Um, they are all presented to you in very clear ways, and everything else is just fodder for the battles nothing's there's no like hunting and pecking at least what i've seen so far quite like there wasn't sticker starches nights and the battles themselves actually have more of a purpose in color splash than they do in sticker star which is a much needed update or upgrade so in sticker star you didn't really get any reason to battle you at one point i found myself dodging battles because they were pointless yeah, you, you lose cards, you don't get many coins, there's no reason yeah, to battle. Yeah, and you get, well, just overall, you got so many coins that it made, per, like, buying anything you wanted super easy, so... Yeah, so why even battle? Yeah. But in, in Color Splash, what they did is they actually put an experience system in, in a way. It's what? super simplified. So it's a little more RPG-like. But what they did is basically, so you can only have so much paint at any one time as you're hammering your way and, you know, making white spots turn into colored spots or whatever... But the amount of paint you can hold is dependent on how experienced you are in the battle. So as you do more battles, your paint meter gets bigger. So you're encouraged to keep battling because that will up how much paint you can hold, which means there's less of you having to go smack an orange flower to get some orange paint to then go clear up the spot or paint the spot up ahead or that sort of thing. Hmm. So it's kind of, it's more of a like give and take thing. There's a purpose to the battles, which is nice. And, um... How are the boss battles? Are they still the same? Like you, you either that's, a, that's you, the thing. They're still like, it's it, still. It all comes down to basically a win button in the form mm, of the thing. Yeah, colors. the battle is like is it still like a struggle to get through them, or you use that one item that will clear them out? Of night? It's the one item that clears them out. But mm. but the thing is like 
Well, not horrible, but it's, it's a little different in that like you have the Koopa the Koopalings now, and mm-hmm. they usually do tie into an item, but you can also kind of whittle them down otherwise. But but yeah, things like the giant fan, literally the giant fan is back, and it's used in a similar way. Like there's a lot of a lot of that. So the boss battles are kind of meh in that regard. They're fun visually. You find all sorts of weird things in the 3D. The way they integrate the 3D objects look really cool. But mm-hmm. yeah, in terms of in terms of like an insta win, insta kill, it's still kind of there. Um, but the, the battle system is actually kind of interesting. So it's, it goes to the game pad when you go into battles and how it works is you have all your car. It's very tactile. You have all your cards laid out in front of you in a deck and you can swipe through them and then you pick the card you want. And then that's the one that goes back to the TV to do the battle. The somewhat problem is that you can't easily just pick a card it's like a six-step process. Now, there's an advanced control saying that I didn't try that maybe streamlines this, but here's what you do. First, you pick your card. So you select your card by pressing it. Then a button appears under it that says card ready when you're ready. Like, because you can pick multiple cards. You know, you can pick multiple cards if you have, like, three slots. So you pick your cards and you hit card ready. Mm-hmm. Then you get to paint your card by holding down on the card, like, long pressing it. Now, Oof. the painting, painting significant. Paint the reason that I was saying before that like your paint mirror matters is not just for out in the world, but in battles too. Paint is like your mana or your PP if this was Pokemon. It is the juice that enables you to do what attacks you want to do, basically. So if you don't have enough paint, you can't do as powerful of attack or as much of attack. So you can hold down a card, and the longer you hold it until the card fills with color, the stronger the attack will be. Yeah. Makes enough sense. But you then have to hold down the card, right? So that's step two here. And when you finish holding it down, or when it finishes up, you don't just let it go to the next... It doesn't just go to the, back to the TV. You then have to press a button labeled, Done Painting. So now we're four presses in, just to be clear. Think we're done? We're not done. And a few taps, right? Because in theory, like, during that painting process, you're tapping every single card, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So you're for a minimum of four <laughs> presses of the screen in. Then, after that, just because they want to remind you that your gamepad's tied to your TV, and it is kind of fun to do, you flick the card back to the TV. After you hit done painting, the only way to actually like, activate it at that point is you flick it up. Oh, joy. And it flies off the screen. So, in other words, to do an attack, I have to press a card, press I'm ready to use the card, press the card to paint it, press I'm done painting it, and then flick it. Five steps. Five steps for one attack. I do know... Um... I actually did see like a like a video just comparing how the advanced system does streamline a lot of that. Oh, does it? See, yeah, I didn't try. It, it, advanced it, implies the opposite. No, advanced it, implies it's more advanced. I, I think more it, stuff. It, it get it gets rid of a lot of the the extra presses. Mm. I mean, it's okay, still so that, that resolves that issue. I thought. I mean, not entire. I mean, yeah, like it's still an unnecessary amount of presses, but it's significantly less. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, to be honest, it does sound like. Well, first of all, even without the advanced system, they could have... Now that I think about it, why didn't they just, like, why... Why did they have to have you press the button every time? If you're long pressing to use a card, to paint a card, I mean, why can't you then just flick it up from that same moment when you're done? A long press and a flick are two different actions. You don't need a button in the middle telling you do this other thing first. Regardless, it sounds like I'm kind of down and out about how this works, but it's actually kind of fun. Like, it's a bit shallow by RPG standards because, you know, you're, you're basically... You pick an attack, you go, you flick it up, you do the attack, you hit A at the right time, you do more damage, that's it. There's not a whole lot. Like, you learn, oh, you can't jump on enemy that has a spike. Oh, I better use a different attack for that. Like, little things like that. You learn which cards to use, but there's not deep strategy, especially with boss fights, fights as you're talking about how it's, like, kind of an insta-kill. So there's not 
But would you say... Or there's uh, a win button, I should say. It's not an insta-kill. Would you say this button. kind of difficulty... It's like, oh, this is like perfect for kids getting into RPGs. It's good for kids getting into RPGs, but the thing is, I wouldn't even... I don't even know if I'd view it as an RPG. Oh. I mean, yeah, it has the experience system, but I, in many ways, would say... If but you, you are role-playing as Mario. If you, well, you're, then every game's an RPG. Yeah. If you're, <laughs> if you're looking at this as an adventure game, if you're going to... It's like, I'm playing an adventure game called Paper Mario Color Splash. This system is not much different than, say, I'm going to sound sacrilegious, don't, don't attack me, internet. How is this much different than slashing your sword at enemies in Zelda? Like, if you don't, if you go in thinking this is an RPG, you will be disappointed by the battle system because it's not really that, it's very light in RPG fair. It is like kid, baby's first RPG. <laughs> but it has a little more than that, but not much. But if you go into it as an adventure game, just say, oh, my attacks are just these turn-based things that kind of remind me of an RPG, but are actually an adventure game, it doesn't feel, like, then it's like, okay, cool, this is fine. Like, because there's no mind games, really, with a lot of the enemies in Zelda. You're just like, oh, I know to do this attack against this enemy because he has this weakness here. And then you do it. This is that, except you're flicking cards to do it instead of hammering B or throwing a bomb or whatever it may be. Mm. So if you view it from through that lens, like if you say, okay, fine, Paper Mario is no longer an RPG, I accept that. Then it's really not, then it's really not that bad. It's like, it's, it's just instead of hanging him with a sword, you hit him with a card. So that, that's kind of my take on it. It's like, if you look at it that way, it's not that bad. And, and really, that's the thing with Color Splash as a whole, I feel like. is like, if you go in with the expectation of an RPG, you're going to get one Disapp- outcome. If you go in expecting an adventure game, you're going to get a weird outcome. And if you go in expecting some weird amalgamation of the two, like I did, you're, you're pretty happy. Like, if you expect an adventure game or this weird half-and-half, half, it's a good time. I liked it a lot. If you're expecting an RPG, it is not Thousand-Year Door. It is the Thousand-Year Door of Sticker Star, so it will not be the same. <laughs> and, I mean, that's because... And just to be clear, the reason I like it for what it is is because there's so much that's going for it. Ignoring some of the nitpicks about the battle system. It's a the writing. Doing. Well, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm about to get to is oh. the writing is actually really funny. It's one of my – it feels more self-aware than even most other Paper Marios or Mario and Luigi's. Like there's a lot of little jabs at – I mean obviously there's only so many times in town could be like, ha, 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 we're making fun of the Mario formula while continuing the <laughs> Mario formula because literally the plot is Peach gets kidnapped. Oh, that's no. the whole plot. It's actually one of the more shallow plots of a Paper Mario, but like, that's it. And they poke fun at it. It's like, oh, this always happened. And <laughs> by the way, by the way, where is Toadsworth in this game? Peach has an oh, entourage. Oh, they acknowledge that. No, no, no. Peach has an entourage of Toads that are her assistants, and they keep getting colors sucked out of them and dying. Uh, it's actually kind of dark if you think about it. But where is Toadsworth? Well, I mean, he's been in Paper Mario before. What, did, did not want to well, kill the old guy. I mean, he also kind of disappeared from the Mario and Luigi games. He That's was what there. I'm saying. Where is Toadsworth? Where is Toadsworth? Yeah. They should make a whole separate Paper Mario called Paper Toadsworth and just tell us what he's doing. Maybe he's still stuck in a real <laughs> RPG somewhere. Missing. He must be in a real RPG. But yeah, the, the writing is really good. The visuals are outstanding. Like, they did such a cool job. It was very smart of them to add some dimensionality and depth by having it be cardboard things instead of just paper. Like, it's really cool. Like, even, like little things like the way the water flows, is like sheets of paper, that, that's cool, and they've done similar things. But in HD, the cardboard aesthetic they went with looks real. It looks like dioramas, especially when you put the 3D things in it, like the fan. or, or There's one part where you fight a slab of meat, like a steak. It's just like, it looks like a photo of a steak you're fighting. Like, it looks totally real, but it's all rendered. And it's just sitting in a cardboard box, basically. Like, it looks so good. And they can do all sorts of clever things with the uh, cardboard. Like, or very early in the game, uh, Shy Guys roll up the world you're in to, like, a big 
basically like a big um, egg roller, like like a paper towel tube, sort of. And as it rolls, things fall, including cardboard trees. And then when you un- when you unroll it, the cardboard tree that was previously standing up is now lying on its side. So the bottom of it's a box because obviously it's a hollow piece of cardboard. So it has the four sides and the flaps that secure it down. And then one of those flaps becomes a bridge you use to get to a different part of the level. It's just like little things like that are like, oh, that's really cool. You can't really do that with just paper because the 3D element of having boxes and shapes formed by cardboard makes it that much cooler. And they also have all the little details like the, you know, like if you look at the side of cardboard, it has that like crisscross pattern of the, I don't know, the laceration, I don't know what to call it. Yeah. That's in there and like the edges of things. Like it looks really good. It yeah, looks yeah, like it, you're it, playing a game inside some cardboard. It's one thing I really have to commend um, Cutter Splash and Sticker Star for. I feel they're like um, the Lego movie of, 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 of the Paper Mario games yes. compared to the original Paper Mario games because those were more like the straight-to-DVD Lego movies where only the characters <laughs> were Legos, but yeah. the world was sometimes Legos and sometimes was... It's like whatever was easier. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's still a regular tree or that's still a regular yeah. like, stuff. Like some stuff, yeah. It's like they, they were picky with what was what. And I, love, I don't know, it just looks great. It's like definitely the it best. It looks super good. And the HD makes it look really good. Like, this is my favorite Paper Mario game visually by far. Yeah. And in terms of gameplay, as an adventure game, it's fun. The one other thing about um, uh, about the gameplay I should mention before I forget is there is this other gameplay device they added where you can cut things out using the gamepad. This definitely felt like it was shoot-horned in just to give the gamepad some purpose. Because, I mean, honestly, the battle system, all that card selection, yeah, it's kind of cool to do it with your finger and press five too many times. But you can also just do that on a TV with a control stick and some buttons. So that didn't really feel like it was necessary. But they added this cutout thing, which is definitely them like, oh, God, use the gamepad, where there are certain parts of a level where you notice, huh, it looks like I can remove a piece, and that gap can also come a bridge to connect different parts. Like you might see two mountains with a huge gap in the middle, and along that gap happens to be in the foreground a bridge. And while you know, if you turn on this cutout mode, Suddenly, that bridge could be a walkway for Mario connecting the two the two mountains. You couldn't do it before because the sky was there. But if you cut out the sky, he could be where the sky was. It, I get what they're doing. It, the idea is like, oh, you're playing inside these dioramas. What if you're the creator of the diorama? And you're like, now I'm going to cut out the sky and have my little paper guy walk along the back of my diorama. Like, it even makes sense when you cut it out. There's literally, like, just emptiness behind it. Like, just, like, a misty sort of, like, orangey-red color, which I assume is supposed to be, like, your world. And you could put your things in. But... But still, it feels a little gimmicky. This reminds me of most of Sticker Star, because you don't always know when it's there. There's no indicator, really. You just kind of have to be like, that looks like it can be the spot. Like, it's not like a puzzle you solve. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess they stuck that there. Okay. Like like a lot of the stickers in Sticker Star, where you'd be looking, you're like, oh, I, I guess it was behind that bush. That's random. So so that sort of thing uh, is probably, the, that feature specifically is probably the one thing I was a little not too impressed with. But... But the rest is pretty fun. I, I like it a lot. I think overall... Did you beat it? No, of course not. You know that. But I, I, I made progress enough that I feel comfortable talking about it. I played more than a level. But, uh, you know, I played for multiple hours. But I think the... Uh, I think overall, like, if you go into this expecting an RPG, you're going to be bummed. It is not. This is not really Thousand Year Door 2. This is... A Thousand Year Door spiritual. Yeah, whatever. exactly. Except you butchered it. But yeah. yeah. But no, but if you... I think it is a fun game like if it's not the best game Nintendo's put out it's a solid one with good humor it's a heck of a game to end it's, their first party support with I don't know if it's the best way to end their first party Wii U support but it is a solid game with good humor really gorgeous visuals and some fun gameplay 
And I mean, really, like it's like the definition of like a seven or an eight, like a seven or like a seven point five. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like if you, you know, if you don't want to play it's Pokemon, it's a ten out of ten, seven out of ten game. It's a yeah, exactly, it's exactly. But yeah, like if you don't want to play Pokemon all winter, all uh, yeah, all winter, um, here you go. You could play Color Splash. It is fun, and again, the humor is good, and the visuals are great, and. You just need to go in with the right mindset. That's all it really boils down to. If you were expecting an RPG and you buy this, do not blame me because I'm telling you a million times over, it is not. But if you go in expecting an adventure game or it's a Paper Mario story with some gameplay of some sort, you will get that. And I think you'll like it. So I recommend checking it out as long as you're not a hater of the non-RPG Paper Marios. And for those who are, keep in mind Mario & Luigi is still a thing. And Nintendo has gone on record that Mario Luigi's the RPG Mario series, Paper Mario is this weird other now. And I suspect that's in preparation for the Switch, because why have two separate RPG series on one console, ultimately? And don't point out they already did that with Paper Mario and Mario Luigi on, D- on 3DS, because that's why we got Sticker Star versus a real Paper Mario RPG. I oh, guess. I thought you were going to talk about Mario Luigi um, Paper Jam. That one would look pretty good, Paper Mario game. Oh, that's right. It also had Paper Mario. That was the most RPG-ish Paper Mario game since... Star. That is true. That is true. Sadly. Or happily, depending on your attitude. No, but like ultimately would I want a Paper Mario RPG? Maybe. I think a new Thousand Year Door would be cool, but I'm content with what they're giving us. It's the same as Federation Force, which I know is not a good analogy because a lot of people are like, well, there was your opinion. I like Federation Force for what it is. It's not the Metroid Prime. It, it, it's not what Metroid Prime 4 should be, but it's what Metroid Prime Federation Force should be. It's its own thing. Yeah. It's four swords with Metroid. I feel like- it's it's separate thing. Yeah, I feel usually for like the more, I guess for lack of a better term, the hardcore Mario RPG games, usually their criteria for me is like first, Bowser can't be the main villain. That's usually how you know that it's a lot more serious because Bowser well, isn't the main villain. Without saying anything, his airship is all over Color Splash. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like ever since they brought back the Koopalings, at first I was like, oh, they brought them back. And I go, like, oh, they're back. everywhere. Yeah. And yet not in Super Mario 3D World. Like they were in everything... Up yeah, to that, and, and then weird. they just. I will it. say the Koopalings have some pretty funny stuff in uh, Color Splash. Their dialogue's pretty good. No, oh, that's good. I, I've, I've enjoyed their dialogues so far in yeah. Paper Jam. But yeah. But yeah, so so that I think with Color Splash, yeah, that's like it sounds like I was kind of like happy and sad about it at the same time. But no, it's just the definition of a good but not great game. I think is what it boils down to. Um, so yeah, that I think does it for this episode around Nintendo. Um, do you have anything you'd like to add? Um, and, uh, let's see. Mm. Mm, dead air, delicious. <laughs> if you haven't ever played Rhythm Heaven Fever, it just came out on the Wii U Virtual Console. So ah, that's a good thing to add. That's definitely that, worth getting. That is very worth getting. Yeah. I don't think that's proper English, but it's okay. You know why? Because it's random Nintendo. Things are random, including our grammar structure, sentence <laughs> structure. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that, uh, that's something. Yeah, no, it, it is a good game. Yeah, I forgot about that. And also Resident Evil Umbrella Chronicles is also available same day as Rhythm Heaven, actually, past Thursday. Yes. The the thing about that, I see you leaning into your mic very closely. The thing about that is... I'd be shocked if you didn't. I think Yeah, that'd be concerning if I couldn't see that because you're a foot away from me. The thing about Umbrella Chronicles is it works best with a zapper, so I will not as immediately recommend that as you did for Rhythm Heaven. I don't know why we're buying time. It's been two hours. Let's just wrap this up. So, that does it for this episode. We are going to be back on November 27th. That is the Sunday. Or will we? We will. Wait. What? What do you mean, what? That, that's a Sunday. November 27th is the Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, 27th. All right. Wow, that was... Yeah. 
That was fear in your in your <laughs> eyes. Uh, yeah, we'll be back on November 27th, which is the Sunday of your Thanksgiving weekend if you're here in the U.S. If you're not in the U.S., it's the Sunday of your regular weekend of that week. Um, and we're going to have a NES Classic Edition blowout. I'm getting mine tomorrow, Monday. So the 14th, if you're listening to this after and need to know the specific day that a package arrived at my home. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to have a lot of talk about it. I'll bring it. We can play it. So you can come play it because now you're not buying your own and we can... We'll have a whole little thing about that. We're, of course, got the latest news, latest impressions of other stuff, possibly. Pokemon will be out by then as well. Although I think we'll probably hold off impressions till the next episode, just so we have time to actually play it in some like serious amount of depth. Uh, but yeah, so the easiest way to make sure you don't miss the episode on the 27th is to follow us on Twitter at Random Nintendo or subscribe to us in your podcast app of choice. If you happen to be on iTunes, we would much appreciate it if you left us a review. Um, besides that... I think it pretty much does it. You can follow me on Twitter at JSR7. You can follow Angel on Twitter at Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. And we will be back in two weeks' time. In the meantime, good luck with the NES Classic Hunt. Because I'm pretty sure a number of you out there are in desperate need of one, as I was up until Best Buy graced me with its goodness, presence. I don't know. This is a weird ending. I'm just going to ramble, and then at some point you'll fade me out. Yes? No. Oh, this is all not faded. Even better. See you in two weeks.